Primal strength Ain't nobody man enough to feel the pain And you can be next You better give respect Cause ain't nobody breaking this redneck I've, I've, I've done it once. I don't, I'm not a big fan. Oh, has he done it? I've done it once. I don't like it. Dude, I've never done it. I, it feels, it reminds me a lot of Swamp Ass. Well, okay, so. But you gotta dry up after. Yeah, it's still like, yeah, because it's, it's wet and then you get little, you get dingleberries. So let me oh, tell you this right now. My, when my girlfriend moved in, she's the one that brought that in, because I was on the same tip as you. But, okay, so. I don't think you should use tip, I'm buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. Every time I go to the gym, I'd be so self-conscious or whatever because yeah. like I always have to like for me I can't go to the gym if I have like a bladder full of pee or like a butt full of poop or whatever. So I always make sure I'm cleansed before I go to the gym. But like I would notice, you know, like no matter how good I wiped or whatever, I was like still kind of feeling like okay, I don't want to stain my I don't want my underwear being stained. I don't want people smelling something they shouldn't smell. So when she moved in, she introduced these wet wipes, and so I was, you know what? Let me do this before I hit the gym. And like you said, like you'd have like a little bit of like you know swamp ass going on, and it's just like it lifted everything out. Though, like, like, it was like Harry Potter going, Leviosa or whatever. And, like, everything was gone. And, you just, like, the little trick you did, like you did, is, like, you get the little bit of wetness going on, and then you get the little dryness going on, and you're clean. It's like you just came out of the shower, but you didn't have to jump in the shower and do all that. Yeah, man. I get, I, I'm sold. I'm thinking about buying a couple of boxes of that and just mixing it up with my toilet paper. Dude, Walmart. Just buy stock. Just buy, buy stock in it. <laughs> I love it. it was... I tried it once. I'm like, okay. Uh, I your see. stock is seen. You're, you're the easiest consumer. Any, any, any I tried it once. Love it. I, I mean, there's, there's I'm there's, a fan for life. I, you know what? If I can afford it, how much are they? Three bucks. That's not bad. For a pack of three. For a pack of three. Pack of three. Walmart. Dude, I'm losing money by not buying them. Yeah. Your asshole is gonna be so happy. We should use them as a sponsor. Whereas, like, equal. wet wipes. This podcast <laughs> has been brought to you by wet wipes. It's like some off-brand. Was it Equal? Is that what you have? Walmart? Walmart brand. Equate. Walmart. Equate. Equate. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> up and up if you go to Target. Up and up. That was about to ask what's the Target brand name. <laughs> if you go to Target, up and up brand one. Now, fuck that. I'm going to go with the Kirkland butt wipes. <laughs> Kirkland. Costco. Costco. I call oh, Costco everything, man. And whatever Foodco has or whatever. Foodco. But I will say this. Smart Kirk. Final is slowly taking my business. Dude, Smart Final is... I think I told you about Smart Final. Yes, dude. I love shopping. Dude, there. I love Smart Final. It's only a tad bit more expensive, but it's fucking worth it. Dude, it's so this worth podcast it. podcast was brought to you by Smart Final. <laughs> Smart <laughs> Final and Walmart butt wipes. <laughs> butt wipes. You had something to say about my bathroom, huh? Oh, man. So your bathroom, first of all, I've never in my life seen a pink toilet. And it's like rose gold pink toilet, which <laughs> in itself in itself is just kind of um, fucking a surprise. But the, I think the best thing about, about it is on the tank... He decorated the tank. He put stuff on the tank, which I never seen anyone put anything on the tank. Other than baby wipes or maybe a toilet paper roll. He puts like what is it? A placemat? Yeah, like a placemat. Mm-hmm. You got the wipes, of course, uh, which I love so much. And then it's a picture of Tupac. A framed picture. A of Tupac. Framed picture of Tupac, which is I think it's actually an illustration of Tupac, right? Yes. Is it self illustration? Did you? Yeah, Tupac. Uh, he illustrated himself, and then he sent it to me before he died. Self portrait. Self portrait. Yeah. Oh no, he went to you got you went to Venice Pier and got that one. No, no. Dude, I remember <laughs> when he got that. I was like, you got to put that over your toilet. And that was ten years ago. That was ten. We were still at the old apartment, right? Yeah, I was in my apartment, and I had this framed picture of, t- of Tupac just in my bathroom because I was like, I don't know where to put this at, so I was just sitting in my bathroom. 
as a bachelor, it was just shit was everywhere. And this guy, he was like, dude, you should just put that like in front, like on the wall in front of your toilet. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And so all I did was put it on the top of my toilet in my apartment. And it was there the whole time I lived in my apartment. And when I moved into my house, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to keep it on there. And so over the years, like the, the frames have broken or whatever. And finally, my girlfriend was like, hey, why don't we get like a proper frame for this? So we got the most girliest one we could. And then we like got some like fucking wild orchids, like potted orchids on it or whatever. So it's the most elaborate picture. Go to our Instagram. I'll post a picture of it. It almost looks like when one of your family members die and they set up a little rosary. That's what the fucking toilet looks like. It's the dead. Tupac has come up in so many podcasts. Now, now that I think about it, he's been at least involved in like five. Oh no, yeah, him and Prince, like they're tied for like yeah. the most times you mentioned an artist. But welcome to episode thirty, by the way, everybody. Um, on this episode, we're going to be doing a follow up to our most successful episode of all time with the homie. Hey, Seuss, you want to give a shout-out, baby? What'd he do? And he's going to be telling us how he's been, and then, of course, we're going to be talking about some UFC, because that's what this dude specializes in. So, um, make sure you uh, like and subscribe to this show, and tell all your friends about it, and share it a million times so that we can get that big fucking butt white money. Right, and, then, and then, not only tell your friends, but tell your coworkers because those are different people. Yeah, those are two <laughs> different people. I those are find two out. different people. Your friends are not your coworkers, and your coworkers are not your friends. So you got to tell both of them independently. Yeah. So with that said, everybody, enjoy the show. Jacob was saying he thinks Ja Rule is the best rapper of all time. Well, he, he wrote that in my yearbook, so it's like written down for eternity. He said, I mean, I'm just saying, if they can use that same defense against the governor and fucking Elizabeth. Oh, Roy Moore? Yeah, if they can use that against Roy Moore, then guess what? In your eyes, Ja Rule is the greatest rapper of all but time. But that was when I was 18, though. Okay, that was that. You're still an adult. You're still an adult. Question, question to both of you guys. Ja Rule versus MC Scat Cat. I don't know who MC Scat Cat is. You don't know it? I feel, like you're, I feel like you're fucking with this. It's a made up name. No, MC Scat Cat? I feel, like he's, I feel like he's baiting us to say, oh yeah, I know who that is, <laughs> just to be like, I made that up. Alright. Um, Whoever MC Scat Cat is, I'm waiting for MC Scat Cat. Wait, 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 wait. Let me back this up. I know who MC Scat Cat he's is. He's a cartoon. Paula, Paula Abdul, right? Yeah, he's Straight a cartoon. Up, oh, okay. Yeah, all, him, him all day. Him all day? Him all day. MC Scat Cat versus Little Yachty. Oh, MC Scat Cat. That full fucking bone fucking Paula Abdul. That was like my childhood bone, crush. Bone Paula Abdul? Yes. You're not going to be in our video. Why do you fucking... Why do, why do cartoon characters get better ass than I do? Fucking huh? Roger Rabbit's wife was... That's exactly like, Rose first Rose. crush. First crush, yeah. Jessica Rabbit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jessica Rabbit was my first crush. So it's basically yeah. like what Mariah Carey looks like now, but hotter. Bigger lips. I'm, I'm not into Mariah Carey. Yeah, I, was, I always like Mariah ooh, Carey. Honey? Was, like, was it the thing? Yeah, that's when she came a slut. Yeah, that's when she, that's when she was the hottest. Mm-hmm. I liked her when she was innocent, too. Like when she had the curly hair and the little mole. When right she was uh, rollerblading on the, on the Santa Monica Pier? 
Mm-hmm. What's the name of that song? Fantasy. Fantasy. That's right. Yeah. And the remix Glitter? came out with ODB, and then that's what made her dirty. Did you watch uh, uh, Glitter? No, I haven't watched that yet. I want my heart to break. Watch it right now. Just stop. Watch it after the show. Just stop recording it. As soon as we're done, go in the room. Well, this is the shortest podcast ever. (laughs) All right, guys. Watch Watch glitter. Like and subscribe on iTunes, baby. All right, nice meeting you. Good night. Dude, speaking of badass shit, you all checked out that fucking Viking game, right? Oh my god, my boy. That's why I saw my way. I saw the fucking screaming. Dude, I like. I didn't. First of all, I didn't know who to go for in this game because it's like I have friends who are Vikings fans. And they're like the nicest people. Probably the greatest manager of all time that I ever had, Charles. Charles. Yeah. <laughs> Hugest fucking Vikings fan. Like, what? He's like 47 years old or whatever. 69. Never, never seen the Vikings fucking win like anything, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I kind of want them to win. But at the same time, I dig Drew Brees. So I'm just like, whoever wins, like, it's a win-win situation for me. <sighs> yeah, it, it's bittersweet for me. I'm a Bears fan. It was just like, I was happy. I was so happy for, for the Vikings, you know, like... Mm-hmm. I was rooting for them. Uh, just that fucking ending, though. Like, with that back and forth, or it was just, like, that anxiety. And it's just, like, me playing that third party, like, well, I'm happy no matter what. No, I was I was literally thinking, like, oh, man, that was a good game. Like, the Vikings pulled it off, man. Drew Brees, he's he's the man. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see him beat Tom Brady. And then that, like, Stephon Dibbs, Stephon Diggs. Dude, that was, like, the craziest ending I'd ever mm-hmm. seen. Um, yeah. Pretty amazing. I would yeah, actually, great. I would still put uh, Tebow's ending above it. <laughs> I still oh, t- I remember that. Tebow. Tim Tebow. Tim. Oh, the thing against the Steelers, right? Yeah, overtime, the walk-off play, because that rule was you, you, if you score on the first possession or oh, the first yeah. play, mm-hmm. then the game's over. The other team doesn't even get a chance to fucking yes. score or match you. And I remember me and this guy were watching that game, and he was like, if fucking Tim Tebow wins it all right here, this fool is Jesus Christ himself. And then right after he said that, just Tim Tebow just whack, chucked Throws it out. that ball to uh, Demarius Thomas. Mm-hmm. Demarius Thomas breaks one tackle and it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. And I move my buddy and I look at him. He's like, and I'm screaming, it's over. He goes, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, that's the rule. Like, that's the rule. And then the announcers come on and say, the game's over. Like, that's the rule. You, you get one shot. And if you get, if you make it on that opportunity. one. And now that bitch. That game. I think the only reason I think this game was better is because this game was actually like fun to watch the entire way. That was a... That game was like 10 to 10 at overtime. Mm-hmm. This one was like, there was actual scoring going on. There was yeah. actual like stuff going on. Yeah, and then they were up 17 nothing at half just yeah. to fucking come back, back and then break their hearts and shit. <laughs> and it took like an hour for everyone to get back on the field just so they can kick like the left. And it was literally the players with like the backup quarterback was out yeah. there just fucking lining <laughs> up so he could fucking, so he could just stand there while they take the knee. The offensive coordinator like, yeah. I got one more play. I, I will say this. This kind of goes back to the point I've been saying all season where the NFL needs to like diversify the games that are primetime games. They gave the Cowboys like seven primetime games. Like maybe one of those seven were like decent to watch. Mm-hmm. Everything out. I think the Raiders got a bunch of primetime games. The Patriots always get a bunch of primetime games. It was like they need to spread it all out. I mean, this game probably wasn't going to be the game that like would have been the primetime game. This would have been like a oh, Sunday morning, morning game. Yeah. yeah, it was just like not in your market. Yeah, it was like you you got to diversify. Like that's what's killing to me. That's what's killing the NFL. Like that the oh, fact yeah. that like. You know, I'm not saying put the Jets on there every Sunday night, but I'm just saying like you gotta mix it up. Like they're investing way too heavily in like four markets, and that's it. I yeah. think I think they know it too because I don't know if you can saw it. They canceled the last game of Sunday Night Football. Yeah, <laughs> they canceled well, they moved it. it down. Right? Yeah, there was no Sunday Night Football yeah. last Sunday yeah. because it was just like or the last last week of the year yeah. because it was just like, well, this is a shit show, so 
let's just save us some money and just cut our losses. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of think they know that. Like they're realizing they they need to work a, a work out some sort of flex schedule where they can mm-hmm. like okay, there's an option of two games and then whatever one's more compelling. Oh, yeah. The whatever. Colts were the other team that was like, oh my god, this is unbearable to watch, mm-hmm. and it's like they kept getting prime time games. Well, if they had like a like I said, if they had a flex, but they had like options. They'd be like, all right, well, we're not going to do the Colts. Sorry, Indianapolis, we're yeah. going to go ahead and do this game because. Fuck, these teams are relevant. It's more compelling. Yeah, it was hard to watch. I think one of the most difficult games to watch was, like, the Broncos and the Colts. And I was just oh, like, God, Jesus, yeah. no one is interested in this at all. Nah, it's my take. Just saying. But anyways, everybody, I think we got to reintroduce you. <laughs> oh, yeah. The third person talking is Jesus. You might remember him from an earlier episode of Surviving the Las Vegas Shooting, uh, which is probably our best or highest listened to episode. Right? Really? Yeah, dude. Like for reals. Like, w- like we did that. What? Like the first week of October or whatever. Yeah. Like it's still like this morning. There was twenty downloads for that. Really? We did an episode last week. It only got three downloads. Oh shit! That's so you cool. still get downloads. Everyone wants to hear that story. So I think it's only logical for everyone to let's start do a follow up to your to your uh, to your episode. Oh, so yeah, welcome back. Dope. So. I didn't know that. I've been here and asked you how it was. Like, I, I purposely kept you in the dark until like the next time, like we got you on, so that way, like I could surprise you with that fact. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, nice, dude. dude. And there's people like from like Korea, fucking Czechoslovakia. Like, I'm no joke. Like, like the countries that have listened to it. Like, I'll pull up the stats for you after this, and like, like all around the world have heard that, dude. So that's nice. You're that's a goddamn good. superstar. Uh-huh. You are Mariah Carey and glitter right now. Oh sir. yes. <laughs> I just want someone to take me off my, take me out of my club. Yeah. Oh, spoiler alert! She worked at a club. She worked at a club, dude. <laughs> There's no reason to watch it. My dreams. Yeah, she worked at a club. So one burning question, like I really had for you, um, you know, to follow up last uh, episode was that I didn't get a chance to ask you, um, and this is like a like a serious question, like that I ask everybody. Backstreet Boys are in sync. Sick. Fuck you! Get out of my house. <laughs> and why? Why? Justin Timberlake. Okay. Stop you there. The the actual group in sync. You're gonna put them over Backstreet. No, wait, wait. First of all, that's an unfair question because you're you're making the, like the Jackson Five versus. I'm trying to think of some, who their competition would be. Ninety eight degrees. Okay, no. That's New not. edition. New edition. Yeah, that would be, that's fair. That's a fair new edition versus the Jackson Five. New edition, had, new, new edition had three stars come out that's of it. True, and fucking Jackson Five had one, and then Janet was in the background, but she wasn't in the Jackson Five. That's right. But she's a star. Yeah, that's right. So the greatest yes. star of all time comes from the Jackson Five. Does that make it the better band? I would say yes. Yeah, I would agree with you. On that. I, I disagree because it's just one guy with the backup stars. Yeah. So you're saying you but, like more? Let's say okay. Let's just put it right here. Justin Timberlake goes on and does his own thing. I give all, I tip my hat to him or whatever. But Backstreet Boys, as a combined whole, okay, yeah, you don't have one single superstar on there, but when they're like Captain Planet, when they come together, they fucking have better songs. All five of them are better singers than four of the five people in NSYNC. Like, can you name anybody else in NSYNC? JC Chavez. Well, okay, besides the Mickey Mouse Club star. Joey, okay. Joey Fatone. Okay, Joey I just named, I just named 60% of NSYNC. Okay. Okay, but Joey, so Joey Vuitton, the worst person in NSYNC. Hey, he's, he's got a Lance. good... Lance Bass. No oh, shit. 80%. <laughs> okay, and then who Chris Kirkpatrick. That's the one I always forget. 
Okay, I can't. Chris and Joey, the two worst uh, people from Insync versus the two. I'll let you pick the two I worst people think, from Backstreet Boys. I cannot name anyone from. I guarantee Boys. you, right now, Nick Nick Carter can't even sing right now anymore. Oh, Nick Carter, so no, he sings like an angel. Stuff. He has so he has, he's done so much drugs. That's his brother. No, that's, that's all his fucking family. No, eighty percent of his family. Okay, <laughs> Nick is a good Christian boy. No, he's not. Go to Netflix right now. Backstreet Boys got a fucking documentary on there right now. And you'll see, you'll see Nick Carter sing like I am. Here's where I stand on this whole debate. I think early on, Backstreet Boys, amazing. Then they just nosedive. Like, what is it they do? An album called Black and Black, Black and Blue or something Black like that. Blue. That shit sucks. After that point, Shape of My Heart. After that point, you you start. That's when Instinct starts hitting their stripe. It's like almost like they they cross paths. One, they did not coincide. They were just like one was one had its moment, then the next one had its moment. It's just. Two different worlds, and, and like I've said, like I think people that grew up slightly older crowd that had Backstreet Boys as their background thing, that's one thing. And then there was like the slightly younger crowd, you know, a couple of years later, where the NSYNC was at the top of their game, the pop album and things like that. It's just like I mean, yeah, of course we're going to disagree. Like NSYNC gave us so much more than Backstreet Boys has ever given us. They they gave us Justin Timberlake, which in itself. Is a fucking gem. He's hosting the fuck. He's doing the Super Bowl halftime show for the so second time. For the second time, he's a great actor. So all those movies he's done, and he gave us all that drama with him and Britney. Dude, slam dunk. Dude, like what? Stefan Diggs. What Insic has given us, and what Backstreet Boys has given us, it's just fucking. It's not even close. Dude, Backstreet Boys' first two albums are five star classics. The best Insic album. Is three and a half at best. No, they got one solid album. See, one solid album. Okay, he has two classics. Okay, but then when you walk okay, into the but you realize there, you realize that anything Justin Timberlake does is still part of the NSYNC tree, right? It's still part of the NSYNC no, umbrella. It's a seed that came no, up and it's made still its own part of the umbrella. If you put NSYNC at the top and everything that came out under it, you still got to give NSYNC credit for that. Backstreet Boys is just two albums, according to you. N6 one album, according to you. N6 one album, and everything Justin Timberlake's ever done. Backstreet Boys have a residency at Planet Hollywood, Las Vegas, right now. Playing right across the street from Ryan Carey. Justin Timberlake is doing the halftime, the Super Bowl halftime show for the second time. I don't, I don't know how anyone can stand Ryan Carey. I'm sorry, guys. It's like she's the greatest voice of the generation. I guess, man. She had nothing to do with MC Scat Cat. (laughs) <laughs> once, once her and MC Scat Cat team up, then I'll. I bet fly in. MC Scat Cat hit that too. Probably, dude. Yeah. I mean, because that was right after like Paul Abdul that video came out, and then what? She came out like three years later. Yeah. Scat Scat still had pulled. Scat Cat, yeah, you're right. Pulls. Yeah, that pulls bigger than yeah. Harvey Weinstein. Who's the uh, Who's the dude um, with the raspy tone? Tone Loke or yeah. not Tone Loke? Yeah, Tone Loke had the raspy voice. Yeah, he was also Funky a cartoon. Cole Medina. Yeah, he did a uh, Sea Bear and Jamal. He plays, oh, is he the fucking he's cat? The bear, he's oh, the bear, bear, yeah. He's sea bear, yeah. Oh, shit. That's great. <laughs> he was on that. God, I hope that's on Netflix. I gotta go home and check. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it'll be on Hulu if not, so. I don't have either one of them. I don't but I just got Cody. I, 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 I'll just I, Cody. I, I can put a magic program on your fire stick. If you I already have Cody. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, no, I, I didn't I mean, do that. No, no, I don't do illegally streaming stuff. No, not on record. No. no. Pay for it. Hell yeah, dude. So speaking of uh, speaking of um, gay illegal stuff, stuff, illegal stuff, <laughs> yeah. Are we so talk about illegal stuff now. Yeah. What's the most illegal thing you've ever seen? 
I mean, I've seen, a lo- I've seen this one time, this one time, very recently. We were at a, we did a bachelor party and a bachelor boy's brother, uh, we check into the hotel and we're all unpacking, right? So everyone's unpacking their clothes, hanging their suits up, all right? This fool starts unpacking his backpack and he has every drug known to man with the exception of heroin <laughs> in this backpack. Like he pulls out what I could assume, assume would be like an ounce of weed. And then, <laughs> pedestrian. Yeah, it's just like a regular bag. He's dance for He opens up his dance for He just starts literally pulling out every drug you think of. Molly, fucking Coke. I mean, I don't think he had meth, but he fucking had, a, <laughs> he had like fucking acid and fucking oh shrooms. Like, dude, like everything you think you see in a movie, like I just, just pulls it out of his backpack and I'm just like, and I, someone was supposed to meet me at the room and I'm all texting them back, uh, I'll meet you at your room. Because I, I don't know yeah. how comfortable people are with drugs. Yeah. I'm somewhat comfortable around drugs, but like the amount, the variety, I was just like, yeah, that's that's a lot for one Once person. Once you start to, to see white powder, I'm pretty sure yeah, you're in the I'm going to tell you something that most people would admit. It surprises me how much how many people do coke. Oh yeah, I've never done it. It scares the shit out of me. But yeah. a lot of people that I never thought would touch it do. Speaking of it. coke, how's that on it hitting you? Okay. Dude, honestly, like it's doing nothing. So I'm pretty sure on it will not sponsor this podcast now. But I've taken three Alpha Brains and like nothing's going on. Oh, it's on Alpha it. Brain. Yeah, yeah. Brennan Shaw, you let me down. Son of a bitch. Especially just, I, I had that, and I was just like, it just made me feel jittery. I was just like, I don't know. Yeah. No, either it just hasn't hit me, or fucking... I should have just took Adderall. Yeah. I have some else. Never yeah. took that either. We'll do the next me. podcast, and I'll sniff it. Whoa. Yeah. Ooh. Anyways. I'll stick to my <laughs> Diet Cokes. Was this, okay, where was this at when you saw all this shit? It's in Vegas, of course. Okay. I'm glad you said that's in Vegas. Of course it was Vegas. Uh, now everything comes full circle, so... <laughs> A lot of people listening to your last episode heard your story or whatever. And so the obvious question is, how are you doing now? I'm doing great. I, uh, I had to deal with everything. And I, what I, the way I did it is I, I dealt with it one at a time. Mm-hmm. So it was a full variety of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. First things first, I didn't sleep. So when we did that podcast, we did it Thursday after the shooting. And I hadn't slept yet. And so when I listened to the podcast, I realized that I wasn't paying attention to art. And so I apologize. I cut you off a lot. Oh, no, I don't. That's a lot. I do that. No, actually, that episode in particular, I remember telling him, I was like, I stood quiet as much as I could because I was just like, I just want this guy to talk. Because that everything you were saying was just like, man, that, that is an amazing story. So yeah. I was just like. I I listened to it. I think probably that. What would you call well, it on Sunday, right? Yeah. I listened yeah. to it on Sunday. So by then, I had finally gotten sleep. But Thursday, we did it. I didn't, I didn't sleep well at all. I probably slept maybe an hour that night. Friday, I fucking just gave up and took a sipping pill. Got a solid 10 hours of sleep. And then, so I had to deal with like, to me, I just did everything I want. So first I wanted to get back into normal sleep ha- habit. So that was the first thing I, I got over was, you know, fucking sleep. Once I was able to get over sleep, then so I had to get over the nightmares that came with it. But that was actually easy. You get surprised. They're all the fucking same. All my nightmares were the same. I was just at a random place in an active shooter scenario. Mm-hmm. So I was at the fucking Lamina. And fucking a shooting started happening, and then I started like piecing together. Oh wait, this is a dream. Yeah. This isn't real. So, but that's where pretty much all my nightmares were. Was just me being somewhere. I remember one one of them. I was at the fair, and uh, a shooter, sorry, active shooter scenario started happening. Another one. I was at the grocery store. Another one. I was at like my car Latino, which is weird because I never go there. 
<laughs> so it's just like these dreams like after a while like every night it's the same and a lot thing. of these places too like I could see like yeah. the shooting happening there too I don't so. think that at the fair they get popped quick while the sheriff's there oh yeah that's true yeah well I mean maybe leaving the fair because it's in that yeah. sketch ass neighborhood oh that's fucking suspect ass neighborhood yeah but so like that was the first thing was getting getting over not being able to sleep got over that and then I got over the nightmares and then I got then I started getting anxiety really bad like to the point where I was at work and I'd have an anxiety attack while I was at work so I would just like log off my phone, walk to my uh, vice president's office, and she she was fully aware. She was the only person that I would talk to about anything at the office because yeah. it was just like she. I never felt like if I told her, whatever I told her I was going through, I never felt like she judged me on it mm-hmm. or she'd hold it against me. And I felt like if I told other people, they'd just be like, "Oh, he's losing it, or he's freaking out, or this and that." And I don't want people to treat office me different. Politics, yeah, yeah. And I, well, then I don't want people to treat me different and fucking baby me. Mm-hmm. Because I was going through shit. So I would just go to her office, close the door, and she already knew. And I'd just fucking chill for a little bit until I get my heart rate back down. And then I'd go back to work. And that only happened like three or four times. But So I had to deal with the anxiety. Um, and I, I didn't want to take anything. So I, actually, I saw a counselor. And the first thing they did is they fucking offer me something for the anxiety. And I told her in the beginning, I don't want to take anything. I don't want to take any drugs. Don't give me sleeping pills. Don't give me shit. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to get over it naturally. And then, so she did that. She started giving me, she prescribed me something. I fucking tossed it on the way out. Like the prescription was like, I'm not taking shit. Yeah. I saw her like three or four times and I stopped seeing her because she just kept on trying to fucking medicate me. Yeah. And I, I didn't want that. I it told should her be me, an episode on itself too. Yeah, like, like, you know, big pharma and how they oh, control man, all the doctors. I don't want to fucking do shit. Like the fucking side effects are worse. The, yeah. The, oh, hey, this is going to help with your anxiety, but you're going to have suicidal tendencies. Nah. And explosive diarrhea. Explosive diarrhea. Yeah. Explosive diarrhea. You're going to lose feeling in your ring finger on your right hand. Well, I mean, I use that, so fuck that. Like, just no. the shit that comes with medication is, to me, is not even worth it. You're getting to the point of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I get over anxiety, and then I got some other shit to deal with. Yep. So um, I stopped seeing the counselor because of that. She just kept on trying to fucking force feed me medication, and I was like, no, I don't want to fucking take anything. The fucked up thing, the thing that finally fucking worked was, have you guys ever heard of the, the rollers? It's like uh, some people put, I swear, it's like the hippiest shit I've ever done in my life. Uh, but it's like some sort of oil. And then like they have different ones for different things. They have ones for like headaches and sleep. And it just has like some sort of oil and extra stuff in it. And then you just roll it, like roll it on your neck or the part that's like bothering chapstick or something? No, I should have brought it. I fucking should have brought it. I still have it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a fucking, it's such a weird thing because my coworker like talks about it all the time. And I, I kind of make fun of her. Because you know, because she's been talking about it for a while. But oh, if you can't sleep, I have one for sleep. Or if you have anxiety, uh, I can help you with this. It'll help you with this. Like she literally, they literally have one for everything. And it's like to me, it sounds like hippie shit. Um, so I never did it. And then I was so at the end of my fucking anxiety and, and not being able to control it, and it hit me bad at night. That um, it says a peppermint touch oil blend. If you Google it. So some sort of thing, and they have different ones for for different things. They add extra things to it. So she was telling me, like, I have one for anxiety, and she gave it to me. She goes, it works. And I was just like, I looked her dead in the face and said, I'm so fucking desperate that I will try this. But I don't believe in it at all. Mm-hmm. Fucking worked. God damn. Fucking worked. It was like one in the morning, and I'm fucking having an anxiety attack. And I was like, all right, I fucking grabbed it, rolled it over my chest, rolled it on my neck, laid down. I could feel... I could like it started like I started feeling like a heat sensation. It's like icy hot or vapes or something. I don't know. It's it's I'm telling you, it's a fucking holistic it's a holistic thing, which I'd much rather do holistic shit than I'd do anything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Fucking special pills, but yeah, it's uh I was just telling this guy not to interrupt you, but 
like, I got sick recently. I didn't take any medicine. I just took, like, a bunch of, like, vitamin C stuff. I went to a hippie place and just got, like, a drink called the Killer C. Where it was, just, like, like, sage and oranges and carrots and, like, random things like that. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm, like, fine now. Like, worked better than any medicine I've ever taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would do that, like, but uh, I don't know what to fucking take for anxiety, right? Yeah. Like, if I, if I had a cold, I'd take a bunch of vitamin C emergency or yeah. uh, that Starbucks star, uh, fucking medicine ball, which I hear is amazing. I buy them for people all the time that are sick and they tell me it works great. So I didn't know what to do, but she was like, yeah, I have this roller and this and that. And I fucking told her, like, I'll try it, but I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. Fucking worked. I only had to do it like three or four days in a row and then it just kind of. That's how you know it works when you have doubt because if you put all your chips on it, that yeah. placebo effect. That placebo effect, yeah. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, I swear to God it works. And it's like, yeah. nah, son. No, I had anxiety. I was attacking the middle of the night and I was like, fuck it. Let's give it a whirl. Fuck, opened it up, rolled it, laid down, and fuck, I can feel like a heating sensation and I can feel my heart rate going down. I was just like, nice. what the fuck is this? What's in this? And it's literally like if you Google it, it's so, like fucking peppermint oil and other shit. Like, I don't know what the fuck is peppermint oil, what you use it for. Like, I mean, I know what peppermint schnapps is. Like, <laughs> like if I rub, candy canes made out of peppermint. Yeah, like am I a fucking? Should I just fucking keister a candy cane? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It a candy cane suppository. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sit on this, baby. Yeah, right. So fucking, but it worked. So I got over the anxiety, and that was great. And then I was over. So I, I mean, to me, I cleared so many hurdles at that point in time. I got over the sleep, you know, deprivation. I got over the fucking nightmares. I got over the anxiety. And then what I didn't realize is the whole fucking time I was depressed. Mm-hmm. So I would go to work. Fine. I didn't miss any work over the entire fucking ordeal. I kept on going to work because I needed the distraction. And then I would get off of work. I'd go home and I'd eat and I'd be in bed within an hour. Wow. And I did that for like a month straight and I didn't realize that I was doing it. So I didn't work out. I didn't do anything. I lost fucking 10 pounds of muscle because I wasn't working out. And I was working out up until the shooting. I was working out three or four times a week, building muscle. And then I didn't work out probably for a good two months. I just had no desire. I had to tell myself, all right, when you get out, get home from work, make yourself something to eat real quick, change, and go to the gym. Nope. Got home, made yourself something to eat, that bed, just climbed in that bed, and I was just there, and I fucking didn't do anything at all. I didn't go out, really. I avoided crowds, and it just kind of, after a while, I started realizing, fuck, this is, I'm like legit depressed. I didn't think the... I didn't think depression would get a hold of me like like it did. Sneaky ass thing. Fuck, huh? man, I was legit. Just had no desire to do anything whatsoever. And that being said, at work there was a promotion, and everyone's like, "Are you gonna apply for it?" And I just said, "No." They were like, "Why aren't you applying?" I was like, "I don't want to." Like, I don't want to. It, I was so depressed. I had no desire to advance. I had no desire to do anything. I was just kind of just going through the motions. And it showed at work. And then and one day, I just like uh, I remember I was driving to work, and. Uh, I, I caught myself singing along to the, to the song on the, on the radio, and I, it kind of hit me. I was like, I haven't sang along to the song since it happened. Little things like that, like you know, being like that Jason Aldean song. Any, any, it was just it was a country station. I know that I can't remember what song it was. It was just a song that was on, and I was actually singing along to it. And I realized that like, I haven't sang along to a song since it happened because like little things like that you enjoy. Enjoy singing the fucking sing along with a song on the radio while you're driving to work, the top of your lungs, because no one's around. Mm-hmm. I was doing it and I was like, oh shit, like, I haven't done this in two months, month and a half. So I was like, okay, and that kind of like, to me, I was like, okay, I'm kind of like turning the corner where I'm just getting back to my normal self where, you know, I, I kind of want to do things before I didn't want to do anything. Like, people would invite me and I'm, I, I, sometimes I would go to things, just kind of feel like I feel like I, like I was obliged to go, but I wouldn't 
I'm gonna go. I'm like, hey, you guys, anyone want to get some meat? Yeah, yeah, let's go get some meat. I don't want to. I would stay right in my fucking bed and do nothing. Yeah. And so it, it kind of like eventually just kind of turned the corner where I just kind of started feeling like myself again. Had the energy. I'm working out now. Thank God, because I fucking lost so much muscle mass and it pissed me off. Wow. So, but yeah, that, that was it. It was like a step. To me, it was steps. Like sleep. First step. Get the fuck to sleep. Second step. Deal with the nightmares. Third step. Anxiety. And then the last final step was just the actual depression I was in it where it was fucking, you know what I mean? I didn't, I had a desire to do nothing. Like nothing sounded appealing. I fucking wasn't even eating. Like I was eating, but I wasn't like, I enjoy food. I fucking love food. So I like, oh yeah, I see. I yeah. See. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a foodie. So like to me, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go here. Oh, I hear this place. Dude, I was fucking, I was eating whatever you put in front of me. Like I was fucking mm-hmm. Costco hot dog. And that's Dude, it. Like, I, okay. Not to compare my situation with yours, but my little dark period I went through, my biggest bout of depression, I had lost 35 pounds and I skyrocketed to almost 230 pounds. My little fucking five foot eight little ass, I was 230 pounds. And it was the same thing too. I was just like, whatever you put in front of me, like it's not big enough. Like I'm, I'm chowing down fucking, remember we went to John's Burgers last week? And I was yeah. telling you, yeah, man, I, I used to eat two of those giant burgers. It was like those six uh, patty burgers. I was like, yeah, I used to eat two of those with fries and a large Coke. Like, it was like nothing. Yeah. And so it was all because it's depressed. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, man, that shit will run up on you. Fool. It's a fucking cloud and you don't even realize it's no. a cloud. You think you're fine. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're literally just like on cruise control. Like, mm-hmm. the fucking, like, the rest of your brain isn't working. You're just going through the motions where mm-hmm. you fucking go to work. You say hi and bye to people. You're not, you're not in any way the same person you're supposed to be. So it's, it's like, like that Nine Inch Nails song. I don't know if you ever heard it. I know you have. Um, every day is exactly the same. It's just like you just you just recreate the next last day. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's no there's no change. It's just yeah, I'm just moving. I'm here. Yeah, I fucking I was I didn't even realize. It. Like I said, I, I tell myself, all right, you're gonna work out today. So you're gonna go for a run. But get home, nothing. I'm in bed. Beat the same pattern. Yeah. And it was every day after work. I'd still go to work, and I wasn't really fucking. I, I, I want to say I wasn't really trying, but I was fucking there. I was trying, but I wasn't like, if it wasn't working, I'd just be like, okay, just go through the motions, Jesus. Push your little fucking keys, dial your fucking numbers, talk to people, whatever. But there was no passion. There was no passion in anything. I, I, did, I had the desire to do nothing. And then so, got like I said, like the first time I really realized I got over it was when I was singing in the car. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of back to normal. And then... Uh, I kind of forced myself to, to get out of that rut where I agreed to do things that scared the shit out of me at the time. So, like, the first thing I did is uh, I went to a BC football game, and that was my first public setting. Let me ask you this, because I know at BC, like, when they shoot off the fireworks, like, they how did you take that? They warned me. So, like, I'm glad someone told me, because they literally told me, like, half an hour before it happened. So, I'd been there all day, tailgating with some friends. You know, drinking helps, obviously. So I was yeah. drinking to, to deal with it. And I was doing pretty good. And I had someone actually asked me about it. And so I was doing fine. And then someone said, oh, there's going to be fireworks. And I was like, thank fucking God someone said that. Because I wasn't aware that there was going to be fireworks. It would have scared the shit out of me. So I was able to, you know, mentally prepare for it. Mm-hmm. But to me, it doesn't sound the same. Okay. Like, to me, to me, like, fireworks don't sound the same to that. I can, I can tell the difference between a firework and a gunshot. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, okay. Um, it's weird because some things do, like some things you wouldn't expect do sound like gunfire to me. So, uh, I remember I went to the Wells Fargo in Oildale. I don't know if you know it, it's, it's right there by that La Villa. Oh, and yeah. there's a train tracks right there, right? 
So I was like nine in the morning, I'm half dead. I just got to pull out some cash. I can't remember for what. And uh, I get out the cash. I, I'm walking back to my truck and some truck drives over the, the uh, train tracks really fast. And it sounded like automatic gunfire. Like the sound it made was dead on. So like I fucking like snapped my head like, oh shit, what was that? And then I was like, oh. It was just a truck running on the track. But it sounded, see, that, that sounded more like gunfire than fireworks does. Oh, okay. And then what about like uh, New Year's Eve? I was going to ask you about that. Like because, I, I stayed in. Yeah, because here, we I stayed in as well because, I mean, my dog suffers from that too, like <laughs> bad anxiety, like with loud noises and stuff. And on the east side, it just sounded like we were in Afghanistan. It was just like, like every like three seconds. I was I was in the northeast. I was by Highland, um, but I was indoors when we, when we rang it off. So okay. I stayed indoors for, for like, we went in probably 20 minutes before the ball dropped and we we're still inside for another 20 minutes. And then we back outside and drank some more. Okay. But it was, I was around family. I was with my niece. Well distracted dro- though. Yeah. It, it, I, I didn't want to go to Vegas. Everyone was telling me to go to Vegas and I was, hell no, not during that time. And then like fucking DHS came out where it was like the high alert, the high probability of being attacked. I was like, yeah, I'm not even, nah, I'm not going to fucking be there. Not me, not this year. But yeah, other than that, like once I got over all those hurdles, I was back to normal. You know, and then you went back to Vegas. I went back to ba- Vegas, and <laughs> again, this is like goes back to the me forcing myself to get out of the rut. So the first thing was the BC football game. I'm drunk at the BC football game, and someone asked me, "Hey, we should go to the SC game," and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm totally down." And once I commit to something, I'm gonna go. So I committed to it, and then like the next day, I was like. I probably shouldn't have committed to that SC game. And then I bought the tickets and then I had the tickets in my hand and I'm like, man, I really don't want to go to the fucking USC. It's going to be a yeah. hundred thousand people, total fucking target. It's a total target. So in the, hood. in the hood, South Central. So that was fucking, and I'm, I mean, I'm like trying, I was, I had to convince myself to go. I, once I agree to something, I, I don't like decommitting. So I agreed to it. I committed to it. I'm going to go. And then the whole time I was, before we get there, I was just like, fuck, like, this is going to suck. I hope I don't have an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, everything was fine. We started drinking. I was doing pretty good. It was when we got to the metal detectors and then it's like long line and starts funneling in. And I was just like, this doesn't feel comfortable to me at all. We're all kind of bottlenecked up. And yeah, there's no guns on the other side of that fence. But if there was guns on this side of the fence, you're pretty much the fucking target. Oh. Yeah, so I was just like, I was like, we need to get through these metal detectors as fast as possible. I don't want to be on this side of the fence. I'll feel fine on that side of the fence where I know there's no guns. But on this side of the fence, there could totally be guns. We just fuck, and we're bottled necked up and fucking being like nothing for someone to attack us and just fucking get a high rate of kills just right there. So that, that gave me anxiety. Like, so once we got into the fucking Coliseum, I felt a lot better. Like, I felt more, more safe. But this, like, in the parking lot, I felt fine. I was talking to people. Saw a couple of celebrities. That was fucking neat. Nice. Yeah, was, yeah, it was a good time. And then just, like, I guess when we were going into the Coliseum, when we started bottlenecking up, that gave me super anxiety. And then when I got inside, everything was fine. And then at that fucking USC game, I agreed to go to watch Cole Swindell in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, again, drunk. drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, I was told to go to Vegas. So fucking made commitments. My buddy, uh, my buddy bought the tickets right then and there. We made the commitment and got on Groupon, bought them for a good deal. And I was like, all right, well, I guess we're fucking going. Like now I can't even back out, back out if I wanted to. The tickets are already bought. So we go to Cole Swindell and we get to Vegas. Just getting into Vegas fucking gave me anxiety. And then we, uh, we stayed at his grandpa's house. So we're just chilling there. We get dressed 
And then we started, I started drinking almost immediately. Oh, I don't blame Because I was just like, I don't want to, it's going to be hard to deal with. And then we get inside the, uh, the venues at uh, the Cosmopolitan and we start drinking, um, liquor, like heavily. And then we got inside the fucking venue and everything felt fine. It felt like the same environment I was in for the shooting. You know, a lot of people in cowboy boots and mm-hmm. it's a country show. So. Everything I felt good until like at one point in time he starts uh, doing that uh, chain smokers cover uh, closer, and then he tells everyone to start jumping up and down. Well, I don't know if you guys ever been to the venue there in Cosmopolitan. It's on the third floor. Oh wow! So when everyone starts jumping up, I can literally feel the floor start giving in a little bit, and I was just like, it would be my luck for this fucking floor to give in on me right now. Fuck that! Yeah. It would be my luck. It would be my luck that the first fucking show I go to. Fucking the floor gives in. Uh, yeah. That, dude. Fucking yeah. couple of hundred people jumping up and down at the same time. Like literally the floor was giving a little bit. I was like, it would be my luck. I take that back. That wasn't my first show. That was my first time back, but it wasn't my first show. My first show was the Monday before that. I went and saw Chris Stapleton at Jimmy Kimmel Live. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that gave me anxiety too, waiting in line. Okay, because isn't all the Jimmy Kimmel stuff, because you've been there to see Deftones, isn't yeah. it all outside? Yeah, it's outdoors. Fucking. Fences, same looking fucking fences as, as Vegas. And we're waiting in line, we get in, and metal detectors again. I'm just like, fuck, like, I just want to get on the other side of these metal detectors, cause then I know I'm safe. Get to the other side, and then I'm like, fuck, this is a small venue, I hope it's not too packed. Luckily, it actually wasn't that packed, there was maybe like 200, 300 people. So, just seeing how many people were there, at first I was, I, I had anxiety, and then once I saw how many people were there, I was like, oh, this is not bad. I'm okay. I'm okay. But that was like, it was a small thing. A good warm-up. It was a warm-up because he did like a six-song set and that was it. And then he bounced out. And then we just kept drinking. Me and my buddy just kept drinking. But the Cole Swindell one was... Uh, that was scary when the floor was like... And then everything else just kept on reminding me of that night. Like, everyone looked the same. Like, it was the same type of crowd as the shooting. Like, you know, it's just all country people. Like, country dressed a little country. So, but it was cool. And then they did a little dedication um, for the people there. For, for the shooting, uh, Cole Swindell, like, uh, put a little video on it was this guy singing, doing the cover of a, of a country song called You Should Be Here. Mm-hmm. And it's a song he wrote about his dad. You know, his dad passed away. So he, the song is about, you know, being said, man, I wish you were here. You should be here. You know, we're having a good time. You should be here. It seems like an event. Something you should be here. So this, the video he puts is this guy at, in his home, you know, self-recording himself playing the song on the guitar. And then the video cuts out and Cole Swindell jumps in. Well, the guy that was, in the video was actually one of the 50 guys that died, 50 people that died at the shooting. So he, he, the song was, you should be here. He was one of those, the guys that passed away that got shot and died. So that was like, I was listening to it and I was like, I don't know who that guy is. Like he just put the video and didn't really prompt us. And then like I heard the song and then Cole Swindell started singing. That song's an emotional song if you really like listening to it. So I got a little emotional during that part of the song. But other than that, it was like pretty, pretty much good for the whole show. And then again, I was drunk. So. <laughs> that like helps with the anxiety is the yeah. old uh, the old brown bottle. <laughs> <laughs> the brown bottle. I've never heard anyone call it that before. I call it the brown. Well, there's a, the if you're calling sick, it's uh, the brown bottle flu. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. we uh, we killed off a bottle of Hennessy before we went inside. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Uh, that, old, that numbed a lot of things. Brown bottle. Yeah. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that every day now. <laughs> the brown bottle. It. The brown bottle flu. The brown bottle cure. Now. When you were here before, you had that um, that wristband um, 
on and you you must have just recently took it off because like your snaps and everything on like just i want to say in the last couple of weeks that i saw you still had it on when did you finally take it off the notion i'm wearing yeah i took it off it took me a while to take it off it probably took me like four or five six weeks before i actually took it off but like when i when i went to the country shows i put it back on and my buddy jordan's like why do you why do you put it back on and I want anyone who was there that night who was also at a country show to recognize me because I would recognize someone with that same wristband on. Oh, yeah. So if I saw, if I was, yeah. So if I was at Cole Swindell and I saw someone else with the same wristband, I'd go right up to him and, you know, give him a hug because, you know, I'm in a forum and that, that bracelet is all over the forum. It's all over the forum. People make uh, tattoos out of it. Some people, uh, frame it. Um, so it's fucking, it, it's it's a symbol for people who were there. So, like I said, I wear it when I go to these shows because I want people to, who were at the show and see the bracelet to know I was there as well. And if I saw, vice versa, if I saw someone else with that bracelet, I would know exactly. I'd go right up to him. So, actually, this is one of the frames that I saw that I kind of want to do. Damn, that looks cool. So, someone uh, someone framed the official poster for Rotten Anyone Festival with Jason Aldean on the cover. And then uh, below the frame... They uh they did the bracelets. Yeah. The two bracelets, one's the purple one, the actual one to get in. The other one's the alcohol bracelet, but I don't remember what I did with mine. I uh, think I ripped it off that night. Yeah. But the the actual cloth one, I still have that one. I don't know what I did with the uh alcohol bracelet. It's just a regular like paperback bracelet that they, you know, give you to show that you're old enough to drink. But yeah, so that bracelet the bracelet I wear, so I went to when I went to Chris Stapleton, I wore it to that. Um and it's a country show, maybe someone there was also there. And then when I wore it to Cole Swindell I had it on, and when Cole Swindell was talking about the shooting, my buddy Jordan's like, put your hand up. And I was like, no, nah, no. Nah. And he's like, put your hand up. And I was like, he, Jordan, he won't even know what it is. Like, you had to be there to know what that bracelet is. Yeah. That, so eventually I put it up, but he was like already on the other side of the stage, so he didn't see it. But Jordan's like, if you would have saw it, I think he would have said something. But I don't I don't know. I mean, he wasn't there. He wasn't, he wasn't an artist there, so he didn't see. Yeah. It's, it's just for the people who were there. They know what it is. They, yeah. they recognize it. So, like I said, if I ever saw someone else wearing it, um, I would you know, go up and talk to them and ask them how they're doing and, and see what, you know, hear their story. Yeah. So, with that said, like, the people that you were with um, that night, um, how are they doing? They're doing pretty good. Uh, Mark, uh, he is the one who lives in San Diego. He, for the following up, like, after that, he, he checked it on me pretty much every day just to make sure I was doing okay. And then my coworker, I checked with her pretty much every day. There's like a whole checks and balance list, I guess. Yeah. So he checked on me. I checked on her. And then she checked on her sister. Like, oh, that's, well, how's your sister? Oh, she's doing okay. Uh, I remember she told me at first they were having a hard time sleeping with the lights off. Mm. So they always had lay, like they'd leave their TV on or they'd leave the lights on or mm-hmm. the bathroom light on or some, some sort of light would have to be on. They, they wouldn't feel comfortable sleeping without a light on. So, but. They're doing good. Um, I talk to I talk to uh, Samantha, my coworker, every day, and uh, we're actually going to go to the Joe Rogan show together. Nice, because um, another couple that's going to be that was with us in Vegas, David and Ophelia, they're going. And so when they saw that I was going, they're like, "Oh, let's meet up. Like, let's have like drinks and dinner." I was like, "Sure." So I told Samantha, and she was like, "Yeah, that sounds good to meet up with them and hang out with them for the night before we watch Joe Rogan or after." But uh, we haven't figured that out yet. But yeah, we're just going to meet up and then. I'm trying to get Mark to come up to that show, but you know, he lives down in San Diego, so he might not be able to. Yeah. But. So, that's cool. And yeah. You said, too, during that show, too, that uh, you hadn't told your, your relatives, especially your mom. Mm-hmm. So, did you ever. Uh, I told I told them three weeks later. Ooh. How'd that go? 
Actually, I didn't even tell him. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> my sister told, my older sister told him, the one that knew, yeah. and the one that uh, goes to nursing school with one of my coworkers told him. And then, so I got a text message from my, my little sister, and she goes, were you really there? And I, 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 I think I went over there for something. Let me go over there for I went over there for something. I can't remember when I went to my sister's house, and they fucking chewed me out. My two younger sisters lived together. So, I went over there, and I can't remember why I went over there. I had to pick something up or drop something off, and they just fucking yelled at me. I, I had to pick up a debit card. I lost my debit card. Oh, okay. And then so uh, it gets mailed to my mom's house, and so they had it, and so I had to go pick it up. <laughs> and they yelled at me for like ten minutes. How come you didn't tell us this and that? And I was like, "What's the point? Like, yeah, I was already back. There's no point in get, make you guys worry about it. Like, I was fine." And then my mom texted me, and then called me and just said I was asked if I was if I needed anything. I was like, "No, I'm fine." I was still in the middle of the whole depression thing, so I didn't tell him like that. But I told him I was fine. They asked me a bunch of questions. I actually shot my sister the link for the podcast. I don't know if she ever listened to it or not. Uh-huh. But I shot her the link. I was like, if you want to know, it's like, here it is. Like, it's, I go into detail. And she was just like, it doesn't bother you to talk about it. And I was like, oh, not really. They say you're supposed to talk about it. So, fuck it. I'll talk about it. And you're not supposed to bottle it in. So, yeah, I'm not going to bottle it in. I'll talk about it. If it helps you get over it, and it did. Like the, like I told you, um, you know, after that, I told you it felt good. It was cathartic to get get it out, tell my story. Uh, yeah, just to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Samantha, my coworker, she doesn't like talking about. It. That, that's bad. <laughs> I mean, I understand why. I mean, if something happens to you know, because my thing too is like when you were saying, uh, you know, you didn't tell, you didn't talk to a lot of coworkers about it because it sucks. Like, like I relate to like when my grandparents died. You know, like. I got the news right at work. Somebody called my job and said, "Hey, his grandfather died. I need to. I need to get to him. I need to talk to him." He was not answering his phone, and so you know, office politics. They one person tells one person, another person tells another person. So when I came back to work, you know, everybody's tell, asking you, "Hey, how are you doing?" When you're just trying to work, you're just trying to get over it. And then when they keep reopening that wound, it's just like, okay, ah, I really don't want to talk about it. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I can understand it from that end, but. It's all when she's ready. You know? I can see how that is. Like I, I, I personally wouldn't want to talk about about it with coworkers. Oh yeah, definitely. like I, I feel like there's a difference like between talking. I actually feel like sometimes with situations like that, it's almost easier to talk to complete strangers or something like you know. You said you if you saw someone at a show with that on, you all have this automatic bond. That you, it's easier to talk to someone yeah. about something like that. It's almost like soldiers, like they come back from war. You know what I'm saying? Like even though they might not have been in the same location mm-hmm. or whatever, they can relate to the same experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I feel like coworkers. For me personally, you know, I'm kind of a very inter- introverted in that in that regard. But I hate talking to coworkers. About, I tell them nothing about my personal life. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I, I'm kind. Of, I try to be like that with the newer people. But at my company, I've been at my company coming on four years. But before I was at that company, I worked at a different company, same industry, for three years, and a lot of those people work there. So I've actually now probably with probably half the company I work with, I've worked with seven years. Yeah. So we're close. We know each other's families. We you know we do the Christmas party things. I mean, you're as close as close to a coworker as you can be. I, I wouldn't consider very many of my coworkers friends because I have real friends and. Yeah. <laughs> There's certain and things I, and you can do with friends that you can't do with coworkers. No, I mean I would. I have no problem. Like if I see a coworker out, buy him a drink, have a drink with them. But at the same time, like you know, we're not friends. Friends, like yeah. I have friends. Friends, like yeah. we hang out all the fucking time. And having friends and being a good friend is a lot of work. 
And that's the kind of work I really don't want to commit to you because I already have to fucking see you 40 hours a week. Yeah. So, you know, and I tell coworkers that to their face. I'm like, we're not friends. We're, we're, <laughs> we're coworkers. And there's nothing personal. I'm sure you're a great person, but I just don't have the time or the energy to, to be taken on everyone as a friend. Dude, I agree with you 100%. Especially when you have to see him all the time, too. And it's just like, you might need some space. Like, me and this guy didn't talk for a while, too. But it's just like, when we started talking again, it was just like, okay, like I just saw you yesterday. Like everything's cool. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you need that space. You yeah. know, I, I have friends. I have super, like, I mean, we're super close. We've known each other for fucking 10, 15 years. Some of my friends. Mm-hmm. So I have friends and that's why I tell them like, I thought that I don't want to be your friend. I just don't want that extra, uh, that yeah. time. I don't have enough time as it is to allocate for all my friends and all their bullshit and try to help them out mm-hmm. whenever they're fucking going through it. So I mean, I just tell them, I tell them all the time, I'm like, we're not friends. And they, they get super offended. I'm like, it's, it's not personal. It's just like, I come here to work. You're nice. I hope everything works out for you. But at the same time, uh, don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, you have to have my phone number to call me. Like, yeah. And so I, I just, you know, my coworkers, I'm, I'm comfortable with them. There's, there's a definitely a level of comfortableness with all my coworkers. Yeah. Because most of them, I've worked with them for seven or eight years. So... You know, they've known me since I was, some of them know me since I was 19 years old. Wow. So, uh, I, I like them. Now, are they my friends? Not, not by my standards, but they're good people and I'd help them out if I needed help. But at the same time, I'd help, I'd help out a stranger. That's one of my coworkers. She's like, I can't believe we're not friends. You can't believe yourselves. Like, yeah, we're not friends. Like, it's nothing personal. You're a good person and all, but it's not personal. Well, if, I needed my tire changed. Would you change my tire? Yeah, but I'd change a stranger's tire too if yeah. they asked me to. And she was just like kind of stumped. And I'm like, oh, stop, just try, stop trying to make it happen. You're a coworker and, and that's good. And Joe Rogan talks about this all the time, like how it's so unnatural for us to be like in these cubicles or these stations for 40 hours out of the day, being forced to be around certain people. And then he's, you're spending more time with them than your actual like family and loved ones. Mm-hmm. And so it's such an unnatural state. So I mean, I get it. You know what I'm saying? There's people at my work just like I tolerate you. I'm nice to you because I have to to keep my job. But other than that, like you don't need to know anything about like my, my relationships, my friendships, or anything like that. Because at the end of the day, to me, I feel like it's almost like entertainment. My life a while back it was like entertainment for these people. You know what I'm saying? Because the closest person to my age and my work is like 20 years older than me so my life was like entertainment for them like i was like a kardashian for them you know like all my drama all my non-drama all my fun times that they're you know you know they're living vicariously through you exactly and it's just like i'm not your entertainment like i'm not your dancing monkey you know like it got to the point with how come we're not doing this this year and i'm like whoa hold on like my own mom doesn't even ask me those questions like i need you to back up so i just started like blocking people like on social media because of that it's just like no i'm not i'm not your little monkey you know like when I'm ready to be someone's monkey, like on this podcast or whatever, it's on my terms. Not dance, terms. monkey, dance. Uh, Twerky. But. I know, I like my coworkers. That's the thing is, no, I, I like my coworkers. I, 99, there's, okay, so there's like 50 people in my office. There's literally only one person I don't like. <laughs> yeah. I fucking can't stand her. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. Other, everyone else, I think, are good people. They're nice people. They're, um, I, I like everyone in my office. I don't have a problem with them. It's just, it's, at the end of the day, like, if, the you can't call us a friendship if the only thing we have in common is proximity. Mm. Like we 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 come to the same fucking office every day. That's literally the yeah. only thing we have in common. If most of your conversations are about work, you're not really friends. They're they're not. Yeah, <laughs> they're I, not. Say, I tell my coworkers like, especially when someone new starts it, I was like, dude, just so you know, like 
Like, because a lot of people think, like, I'll say something and they'll think it's funny and they'll think we're buddies or something. But I always remind them, like, you know, this is a job. Like, you come here, do your job, and then go home. Like, I'm not trying to be your friend. I'm not trying to be an asshole about it. But it's like, to me, that's what it is. Like, I don't talk about my business. Like, yeah, we'll be friends. We'll be buddies there. But after that, like, don't expect me to be your friend. Like, mm-hmm. I, I tell them, literally tell them to their face, we are not friends. And this one, the other one, she, the other day, she was like, we're friends, we're friends, we're not friends, we're not friends, nothing personal, we, we're co-workers, we could even fancy it up, we could be esteemed colleagues, and, <laughs> but we're still <laughs> not friends. Esteemed <laughs> <laughs> colleagues. We're not the co-worker status, you know, yeah. we, we're esteemed colleagues, but we're not friends, and she wouldn't get it to the point where I literally started singing it to her. I started singing, we are not friends, <laughs> we are not friends. We are not friends. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, I, I like my friends, our coworkers. I talk to them. We'll talk about like some of them. I'll talk to about the you know, what I did over the weekend. But again, they've known me since I was nineteen, so they kind of know I'm I'm a little wild. So they kind of know what to expect. Like, but for new people, like I hate when you meet someone and they want to add you on social media immediately. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a Facebook. Fucking just, and I hate lying, but I'll lie. I don't have a Facebook. I don't, I don't have Instagram. I don't have Snapchat. And then I'll break them over showing the actual coworkers I've known for. Hey, look who I did this weekend. I'm showing them on Snapchat. So, but yeah, I, I hate like, you know, we're not friends. We're coworkers. We'll say hi and bye, but uh, don't expect us to, to hang out. That's what friends do is hang out. Yeah. And we're not going to hang out outside of work. So we're not friends. We're coworkers. Esteemed colleagues at best. Steam colleagues. Hashtag steam colleagues. Esteemed <laughs> colleagues. I don't, even know if I'm, I don't even know if I'm using it right. <laughs> I don't know either, dude. It sounds sexual, but I like it. Sounds steamy, college. Speaking yeah. of sexual, dude, fucking, we, in the background, we're talking about all this serious shit, and fucking, we got the UFC on right now of uh, Fight Night. Oh, the page? Yeah, it's the page fight, so. Um, oh, man, we're going to be so distracted. Yeah. I kept looking over there. I was like, what is going on over yeah. here? I love me some page fans, yeah. Hopefully she, she wins. <laughs> she, I got a great Paige Van Stant story. So I knew who she was from Invicta because mm-hmm. she's gorgeous and she was 19 years old and up and coming. So Dreamy. Dreamy. But not a lot of people know who she was. So when UFC signed over all the Invicta fighters, she was one of the main ones that I knew about. So I go to uh, the fight weekend in Vegas. I go to the weigh-ins. And uh, one section is tied off for the uh, fighters' teammates. Like, that's where, that's where the, so if your teammate's weighing in, you're part of the entourage, this is where you sit. Velvet rope cuts it off from the rest of us. So I'm sitting right next to that velvet rope, um, and I see Paige Van Set, and she sits in the same row, and literally there's a velvet rope separating me and her. Nice. And I was just like, and I'm all imagine my friends, I was like, hey, that's that new girl, that's Paige, that's Paige Van Set. She's never fought yet, nothing like that. Uh, most, the, 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 the people who don't follow MMA strongly, they're not going to know who she is. But I know who she was. So Usher comes up to her and says, excuse me, ma'am, you can't sit here. This is for fighters and fight teams only. Oh, my God. And she goes, okay. And she stands up and walks and steps over the velvet rope and sits directly behind me. <laughs> Doesn't beat an eye. The, the guy is completely wrong. And then he walks away. And I just turned around and I said, hey, um, why didn't you tell him you're a fighter? She goes, it's not a big deal. And I was like, okay. And we just went about our business. And so she was sitting behind me and she, she kicked my chair like twice on accident. So I tweeted it. I was like, 
at the UFC weigh-ins, Paige Van Sant just kicked my seat twice. I'm not going to say anything to her, but I really hope she takes a silver with me here in a little bit. <laughs> and then so I went to the bathroom and I came back and she was gone. Aww. And so I tweeted her again. I was like, Paige, where'd you go? Like I was really looking for that, looking forward to that selfie because she was right over my shoulder. So it would have been an easy selfie. And then um, after the weigh-ins and all that, and there's a press presser that same like, they did the weigh-ins and they did like a press uh, conference with uh, the next like the next set of fights. You know, I think it was Ronda and Alexis Davis, if I remember correctly. Oh, wow, that was way back. Then. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And again, this is when they signed her, so she didn't fight for like a year before they after they signed her. So uh, I'm tweeting her and she didn't reply. And then we get to the um, we get to the lobby and. Alexis Davis and her are just, you know, meeting people, taking pictures. And then I asked her, can I get that picture? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, cool. I was really hoping for this. But she goes, wait, are you the one that was tweeting me right now? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> she was like, all right, let's get this picture. Let's get a couple of them. Nice. Since I was kicking your chair, I was like, yeah, for sure. And so I took a couple of pictures with her. Uh, there's one where she's like pretending to punch me. It's pretty good. So speaking of UFC women fighters, because I think that's why you hit me up to do the podcast, to talk oh, about some UFC. The, two, the next Friday, Saturdays. Fucking great night for oh fights. Oh my god, I'm scared as fuck for uh, Stipe Miocic. Oh, he's a great dude too. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a fucking firefighter, like the fucking full-time firefighter, full-time, really? full-time firefighter. Yeah, and he's the heavyweight champion and, of the world. And he has zero intentions of quitting his job. Oh damn, he said he's like when he won the title, he's like I'm gonna quit my job. I'm firefighter. So That's crazy. He won the title what two years ago? A year ago? A year and a half ago? Uh, a year and a half ago. Yeah, he still works. He works. He works for two different fire departments. He works for the city and the county. And he works part time in each, so he equals full time. Mm-hmm. And they're so they're so cool with him, and he's been doing it for so long that they work with him. So like fight week, he misses all of the week. <laughs> he misses all. He can't go to either one of them all week because he has to be training. Uh, he has to be there the week of, like that Monday of the fight. He has to be in the city. Wow! So he has to be in Boston on, tomorrow, and because they got to do pressers, and they, they they make you weigh in now the Monday before the fight just to see how, how far you're off. Because if you're not even close. They'll fucking cut your ass right there, wow. and they'll pull the fight right there, because they have to make sure that the hydration's you know Great. reasonable yeah. before you start cutting. So if you're fucking thirty pounds over and you're, you're, hyd- you're already hy- you're already dehydrated, they're gonna be like, yeah, you're probably not gonna make weight. Nah. And so that's when they start pre- prepping backup plans and shit like that. But for especially for the champion, he has to, he's probably there tomorrow. He's probably there tonight. Yeah, because I'm sure he's got to do interviews and all that shit in Boston and meet and greets, a bunch of obligations. So. Yeah, so he, for for his work, they work with him. He they work with his workout schedule. So he work out, he goes to work and then works out, or works out and then goes to work, vice versa. But I saw a picture of him the other day. He's, he had fucking sut all over his face. He had just got done fighting a fire. Really? Yeah, he was just sitting there. He's, fucking, he's a great guy. He's too. the real he's, deal, and he's hilarious as fuck. Because oh. I think he was on Chael Sonnen's podcast or whatever, and he's just like us, just like a normal ass dude or whatever. But this normal ass dude is gonna fight fucking probably the scariest guy alive since Tyson in his prime. So Francis Ngannou, dude, I don't know if you know who that is. No. Okay, so he's from where, like the Sudan or something? Sudan or Congo? Some some like African um, fucking nation or whatever. So he fucking is like fighting basically for his life. Like I think he worked like in a. it was like a sand mine or whatever, like where you're just carrying like bags of sand or whatever for like like 12 hours a day or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he tries to get out of there. So he goes to France. Cameroon. Yo, oh, Cameroon. There you go. And he goes to France or whatever. Is homeless for like two years or something like that. And then just randomly just walks into like some kickboxing gym or whatever. 
and just started whooping people's asses and like somebody's like wow you're really good at this like we need to get you like in like with some like better trainers and stuff like that so long story short goes to the ufc and just starts rocking people like fucking just knocking them out first they, uh, round they he set the world record for the most powerful punch ever recorded and this last fight um against uh fucking alistair overeem that punch that he hit him with was just this weirdest like like uppercut punch they said it was the equivalent of 95 horsepower, which is like almost the equivalent of getting hit by a Ford Escort. How do they how do they calculate that? I don't know. Science. Science? <laughs> but yeah, like he's just this scary ass like fucking dude. Like it's like almost like Rocky Four or Five or whatever. Yeah, that's or, like the best way to fucking equivalent. He's Ivan Drago. And then Ivan Drago Rocky Four, Ivan Drago actually hits that machine. Yeah. And they're like they measuring how strong he is. That's how they did Francis Ngana. Mm-hmm. They they measured his, one of his punches, which is the same punch mm-hmm. he landed on Alistair Overing. I think the best way to describe it is a shovel hook. Yeah, it's, so it kind of looks like a hook and it kind of looks like an uppercut. It's an ugly punch, and it was a wild ass yeah. one too. Like, it was like, and this. he landed. So that's where he set the world record with that same punch. That's his favorite punch. Mm-hmm. So he landed that punch on a human being, and that guy's fucking head almost came off. Yeah, it was almost like Johnny Cage's finisher in fucking Mortal Kombat, dude. It was like that scary, and I gotta, I gotta Google that. And the oh, fucking YouTube the craziest that. thing is, like, he lives at the UFC Performance Center too. Like, like the Golden Sith, Jeff Novitski or whatever. Mm-hmm. He was talking about it on Rogan, I think, like that. Like, there's a joke going around that that place that um, fucking they better they're gonna start giving him like a desk there or whatever because he's there so often. So, but mm-hmm. He's there, like, with all of the UFCs, like, top-notch, like, trainers and nutritionists. Is that the new one that they just opened up? The new one there. He's oh there all the time. They said he basically lives there, and that's all he does is train. I saw it on Joe Rogan's, I think, Instagram. He did a tour of it, and that fucking place is, like, the most scientific, state-of-the-art fight facility in the fucking world. They got everything you need they got fucking a uh, octagon with cameras everywhere so when you're training and you're done training you can go look at your film right away from every angle you can isolate punches things like that they got a fucking hot bath they got a cryo chamber mm-hmm. they got a sweat room they got everything you need they got fucking the um uh what's the fucking room you go in uh the air room uh the x-men facility where you're going to train and fight fucking uh um, yeah that water they have in uh, the one with uh, Angelina Jolie. Oh, yeah. They got that shit. I, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, they got that shit. And it's free for anybody that's signed to the roster. You can go there any time of day, any time of year, and all of that is open to you. The best doctors, anything too. And Francis Nagano, he's just basically living there. And I think Paige Van Zandt's going to win this right now. Oh, bitch, why did you let go? But anyways, yeah, so it's like this scary thing. You got this firefighter who's the heavyweight champion of the world facing this, like, fucking scary-ass, like, cyborg of a man. Like, fucking- the, 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 the guy is fucking, he's a man among boys, it looks like, in the ring. But the crazy thing is everyone keeps talking about how Francis Nagano's done this, Francis Nagano, Francis Nagano's on a five-fight knockout streak. Check this, so is Stipe Miocic. So the champion himself is on a five-fight Knockout Street and his five fight knockout streets actually more impressive than Francis. Some of them are similar appointment opponents. Yeah. So I mean, not to knock on Francis Gunner, but Francis Gunner also fought a couple of nobodies. Yeah. Super Miatras hasn't fought a nobody in like ten fights. Yeah. He's fought and it started with Mark Hunt, knocked him out, um, knocked out Junior Dos Angeles, former heavyweight champion, knocked out Alistair Overing, former heavyweight champion. Um uh, what's the other guy? Um the guy that he got the uh, um 
Fabrizio Verdum. Yeah, Fabrizio Verdum. Oh, yeah, that's who he took the championship away from. Knocked his ass out. Um, oh, shit. Who did he get when he fucking told Dana, give me the fight, give me the um, championship fight? Stephen Arlovsky. Oh, yeah, he knocked out Arlovsky. That's So he's sick. knocked out all these former heavyweight champs, and if he beats Nagano, he becomes the most... Because like, the heavyweight division, I mean... The most fucking uh, title defenses is like, like two or three or whatever. Two. He said it. It's yeah. two defenses of the title has been set by Stipe Miocic. Yeah, and if he gets this this second, this third one or whatever, it'd be the most all time like defenses by any heavyweight champion. So the heavyweight division is so fucking up and down that literally no one can hold on to the belt because someone's right there to fucking knock him out. So you you got legit fucking top five guys. Any one of them could be champion because. Fuck, most of them were already. Yeah. With the exception of, I think of it, Alistair Overing. In the top five, Alistair Overing is the only one that hasn't been yeah. a UFC champ. But he's been a champion everywhere else. It's K1 world champion. K1 open Grand Prix world champion, which is open weight. Uh, he was fucking, um, what's the one they bought out? Oh, fucking WBC? No, no not WBC. Well, uh, they did buy Strike Force. Strike Force is Dutch. Strike Force fucking champ. So he's been a champ everywhere except here. But the, you know, the bad thing is it's fucking the UFC heavyweight division. Literally, all of them are former champions. Or you know current current champion, so it's hard to hold that belt in that division probably more than any other belt. So I'm trying to fucking see if I can pull up the world rankings for the uh, heavyweight title or the heavyweight division and just fucking list off some of these guys because oh, shit, Paige is about to die. <laughs> is that a triangle? The yeah, leg triangle. She's got a good triangle. She's got the wrong side of the head as far as the leg. The leg's on the wrong side. The leg. He's holding on though. Um, oh, she got the arm through. No, she got the arm through that. So with this reminder, from my what I remember, it's been a while since I rolled this. You want to stack, you want to stack and try to create a pocket because the, the whole move is to squeeze both sides of your necks. Mm-hmm. So if you can create a pocket, then you can just kind of ride it out. And so what she's doing right now is you see she's leaning on her, she's trying to create that pocket. And uh, Clark's doing good right now throwing these fucking elbows. That's a good thing because you know Paige is con- content just waiting right now. 20 seconds. Well, yeah, she's waiting out the clock. Well, you see all that room between her arm and the fucking, uh, her armpit and the leg? Yeah. She's safe. She's in no danger for the, uh, to be submitted, to be put to sleep. But these elbows, though, yeah, those elbows were nice. Woo. So Paige survived. Good round thing. ended. Don't mess up the moneymaker. Oh, man. She's fucking awesome. So going back to, <laughs> to the card next week or whatever, mm-hmm. that, okay, this is how great this fight is, is that DC, Daniel Cormier, He's actually the part of the undercard for this fight. He's the co-main event. He's the co-main event. Fucking DC. Probably what I think after maybe Jones and McGregor, probably like the third most popular like fighter. Mm-hmm. Like he he's 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 op- he's the opening act for this shit. <laughs> so that's kind of and I think that's so cool of him to be willing to, to fucking take that role on. You know, but I mean, if you ever meet DC or ever hear anything about him, he's definitely a, a, a good guy, a company guy. So for him to step to be like, oh, I'll fucking. I'll be the co-main event, even though I should, you know, any other fucking fight, I'm the main event. Yeah. But, you know, I'll be the co-main event. And he's fighting this uh, up-and-comer named uh, Vulcan uh, Ozdemir. Ozdemir. The guy's on a on a bit of a heater. He's uh he's undefeated, and he's and he, everyone they put in front of him, he's beat. And so the, the, the talent has gotten better. It's still not, you know, that high of a talent. Like, it's not like he's not beat. He's never beat a world champion. No. I mean, if you can name anybody in that division, like besides Jones and Cormier, that's like a world beater. I mean, you, they, they, they're in Bellator. You know, Ryan. Well, Taylor. I know that and Gus. Gus is legit. Yeah, but he's hurt. Yeah. So, I sure. mean, Ozdemir kind of walked into that position. 
And but the only thing for me that makes that fight interesting is that um, Ozdemir's um, teammate now is Daniel Cormier's uh, former teammate. Um, Cummings? Luke, Luke Rockhold. Oh, Luke. But Luke wouldn't do him like that. That's the thing. I don't think Luke would do him. I hope like not. Luke, Luke, they got a lot of love for each other. Those guys, the, the, the three three guys from AKA Luke, Kane, and DC. Mm-hmm. They're super close. They're good guys. Uh, so I don't think Luke would do him dirty like that. Yeah. I mean, and if he did, I'm pretty sure DC just beat his ass. Because <laughs> they're that close. DC will go down there and just beat his ass. Be like, come on, man. We used to be boys. Speaking of beating ass, um, this is your boy right here, um, Khabib Nurmagomedov or whatever. He's been training with DC and Kane. And I guess the rumor is, is he's going up against these two big boys who are fucking Hall of Fame champions in their own right. And they're saying that they're going up against him and Khabib hasn't lost one single round against these guys. Fuck. And they got, they got like 50, 60 pounds on this guy. Mm-hmm. I believe it too, man. I, I believe it. I mean, the fucking, that guy, that fight with, uh, his last Enzo Barbosa. Enzo Barbosa, which don't get me wrong, Enzo Barbosa is fine, but he should have never been in the cage with, with, Khabib, Khabib is a fucking world beater. That's a whole and, other different. Yeah, he's a different beast. So he should have never been in that fight. But the thing that was most impressive is not that he won, because I thought he was going to walk through him the whole time. Everyone's like, oh, maybe Enzo can pull it off. There's zero chance Enzo can no. pull it off. The whole thing that impressed me is he's fucking just never stopped, 100% going forward the whole time. And I swear to you, I didn't see him sweat once. This guy did not break a sweat. He went out there and he did one of the most like impressive scorecards, 30-25 and 30-24 or something like that on one of these cards. Yeah. And and he didn't even break a sweat. He literally, I, I was looking like, not even a little drizzle. I'm sweating right now talking. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> this guy literally beat the fuck out of someone for 15 minutes. What he did to that man, if you did anywhere else, you're fucking going to jail. Is he yeah. scheduled to fight anyone? No. They're trying to make him and Tony Ferguson happen because Tony Ferguson is currently holding... The interim title because you know no, who knows what's going on with uh, Connor with Connor McGregor. So they created an interim title. Tony Ferguson won that title outright. He uh, he who did he be? He be um, Ferguson, not Ferguson. Uh, Tony Lee. Yeah, that's right. Tony Lee, who shouldn't have been Kevin Lee. I'm sorry, Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee, who shouldn't have been in that position either. No, talked his way into it. But uh, so Ferguson doesn't want to fight Khabib. They've tried to make it happen what three or four times now, and yeah. it just it just he just doesn't want to do it. I honestly believe he's ducking him, and and he shouldn't be because Ferguson's slick. He's he's probably one of the more slicker jujitsu guys in the game. He's got super long arms and he uses it very and well. And he's good off his back too, he's which is the dangerous. only thing that would be able to counteract Khabib on the ground is somebody who's amazing on the ground. Yeah, and he's he's very slick. He uses his reach well. Jujitsu, if you have reach, jujitsu is a very it's very it's very friendly to those who have long arms and long legs and know how to use them well, have good dexterity, like BJ Penn had great dexterity in his hips, where he could fucking put his fucking foot behind himself if he needed to. So Tony Ferguson's jiu-jitsu is probably underrated. He's he's with the same jiu-jitsu camp as Joe Rogan, Tenth Planet with Eddie Bravo. Eddie the great Eddie Bravo who fucking has his own tournaments. Uh, I believe he got his from a he's a greasy black belt himself. I think he actually got he it from invented some of his own shit too. Yeah, he's, so he, he's got good jits. He's got great jits, if you really think about it, with his reach. So the, he could, he has a better chance of anyone in that division of beating Khabib. What's going on with McGregor? What, what? Money. Money? Yes. They should just take him out. Like, what, why is he even well, he, like... If he doesn't fight by March or have a fight on contract, he's going to get his title stripped. Yeah, I would be like, I would have been like, what's that, um, 
Mayweather fight, I was like, that's 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 a whole different thing. Like, I would have just like pulled it at that point. Like, that's either come and defend it or stop. Like, yeah, don't I, be a part of it. Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't you can't be waiting on it. You can't have somebody on hold like that. I, I, I guess McGregor's like argument though is just like he can pull in a hundred thousand dollars and arguably have the biggest fight in history, and to come back and fight him. Is that a hundred thousand? Hundred million. Hundred million. Yeah. Make a hundred million dollars or whatever, have the biggest fight in history, depending on who you talk to, um, and then come back and fight real fighters. Because let's be honest, I mean, a boxing match is different than stepping in the cage mm-hmm. and getting paid considerably less. Like, of course, McGregor, he could fight me right now and make two million dollars, but for him to go in there and fight uh, a Khabib, she just break her hand, Khabib, or to fight like a Tony Ferguson or something like that. And only get paid like what three or four million dollars when you can go and fight Pacquiao and lose and get a hundred million dollars and still go out and club. Like I think that's his argument. Like he needs to be paid. Well, I, like, I think he will get because I remember I think the last Diaz fight he got paid fifteen, which is yeah, and UFC money huge. Yeah, it's the biggest ever. Yeah, yeah. See, I I get that, but at the same time, like that's fine if he wants to go and like yeah, pay me whatever. I would just strip him. Strip the title, like which also would be the best thing money wise to strip him of the title. It, his pride or whatever is probably getting in the way, but it's just like pro wrestling. I know both of you are probably going to throw your eyes at me for this, but I don't know. Nothing, if the, I don't know if the listeners could hear my eyes rolling as he said that. Oh yeah, they did. Nothing is wrestling. Nothing is porn. Is like pro wrestling. Oh yeah, porn is like pro wrestling. Go ahead and tell yeah, us about yeah. yeah, nothing is more compelling when it comes to selling a pay per view fight than jizz. Than having someone <laughs> come back and fight for a title that they never technically lost. John Jones, for example. He's never lost that belt. He's never technically lost that belt. He's never lost, if you really think about it. Yes. One loss is a bullshit loss. Yeah, it's a disqualification. How, how so it would, be, it would be more compelling to see Connor fight whoever comes out of this whole um, Khabib and Tony Ferguson thing and fight see, over a belt that he never lost. That would make more money than Connor coming back. Because, you know, he'd walk in with his old belt and be like, I'm still the real champ. Exactly. Just like the 45. He'd yeah, look you down in the face and call you a paper champ, and he wouldn't be wrong. Who, yeah. who would be saying he's until March to... Uh, yeah, I think Dana White came out and said that if uh, he, he doesn't fight by March or have a fight on uh, a signed bout on yeah. file, then he's going to strip him. Yeah. And Which I think is going to happen. He is going to come back because every other picture he's posting on his Instagram and his other Instagram, the Mac Life or whatever, is about him training and if I move this way and I, I squeeze your artery or oh, whatever, yeah, you're yeah, dying. Great, the great arm triangle um, video, which, you know, he's right. Which is impressive because, I, I mean, his jits game isn't that well, but mm-hmm. compared to, to other people in the UFC, I guess that's why I hold him to a lower standard, I guess. But Oh, yeah. But he can, um, you know, Jacob's going to hate me for this. If he, if who, I'm pretty sure Khabib's going to win. And then if he ever fights Khabib, Khabib's going to roll him. Oh, I totally see that too. Because you can't, I don't think Khabib can be knocked out. If Daniel Cormier... And fucking Cain Velasquez, who are the light heavyweight and the former heavyweight champion of the world, can't knock you out. Conor McGregor's not going to knock you out. That's what I believe too. I, I, I want to see that fight happen. Like I feel like I know the UFC. I think the UFC's just as scared as McGregor of like oh, not, yeah, not even the money, but down. it's but it's like it's like if if he loses to to Mayweather, then he comes back to UFC and they make him fight Khabib. Khabib's going to like destroy him. And at that point, it's just like, it's another Ronda Rousey story where, like, Ronda Rousey hasn't had, like, a mm-hmm. a good, like, shining moment now in, like, three years. It, it's basically, like, we haven't really seen him, like, be 
that great in a while, and it's just like it's well, just Eddie Alvarez. Well, what's what's going on? Uh, yeah, Eddie Alvarez, yeah, sure. But I mean, I'm saying, yeah, that's the last uh, time you fight. But no, I mean, but, but we haven't seen him be great in a fight in like a while, where it's just like. It was great. Maybe. That Eddie Alvarez fight was great. Yeah, it was. He beat the bricks off when of When he put Eddie his hands behind his back yeah. and he started taunting, uh, Eddie fucking yeah. Alvarez is probably the most violent UFC fighter on the no, roster. No, he's not. That's another guy that's self-proclaimed. Well, self-proclaimed. Him and Justin Gaethje, that fight, I mean... They well, they're both violent guys, but no, not the most violent guy. There's guys that fucking will toe stomp you. Fucking, and people hate that and they'll fucking hammer fist you from every angle. There's, there's a lot more violent people than him. I'd even, I'd even say Francis Nagano is more violent than him. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, but but yeah. like I said, it's a self-proclaimed title, so I fucking hate some of these guys. They're just fucking, literally, it was a Kevin Lee oh. talked himself into that fucking interim title fight. With, with his MRSA. With this fucking, oh, <laughs> big old fucking third titty. Yeah. Yeah, fuck, yeah. Fuck, that was gross. Uh, fuck, oh, yeah. If I was Tony Ferguson, I'd be very mad about that. But that's the UFC's problem, though, is they put all their chips into one fighter, and then that, like, Ronda Rousey, and then that one fighter falls, and then you have a dilemma where it's, like, the other fighter that won, like, you saw that with the Amanda Nunez, uh, Ronda Rousey fight, fucking, you, you got this fucking beater right here, Amanda Nunez, who did no fucking, um... No press, no build-up. No build-up, and now you have her in a quote-unquote super fight talking about fighting Cyborg now. Cyborg, Rex Oh yeah, <laughs> but well, I think what the UFC could do, and maybe they're just maybe they they've thought this already, and they're just not even uh, gonna you know tease us with it yet. Is you know Khabib's gonna win? I I'm very confident Khabib's gonna be the fucking light, smart money lightweight champ. Right and I'm wearing but, a McGregor hat, so uh, yeah. So Khabib will open Khabib being the champion will open up the Russian market, which we the UFC hasn't tapped into yet. So the Russian market, the uh, Russian market. I mean those fuckers. They those, they're fucking, they, they love fighting. If it was up to them, it'd be bare fucking bare fists and fucking knives tied to your feet. If it was up to the fucking <laughs> Russians, they're fucking, they're savages. So, you know, this is, this could, could be coming out on top with the fucking undisputed lightweight championship. Could open up the door for Russian events. Fucking have a fight card in Russia. Mm-hmm. I was fucking, just telling them, dude, the UFC needs to become like a global sport on like a bigger stage. Like, they can definitely get bigger. Cause they, they need to do that. Like, that would make it way more entertaining. Because then at that point, you care more about all the United States has to be on top mm-hmm. than actually, like... Because a fighter can go down anyway. That's Francis Nagana that we were telling you about. Sorry to cut you off, Ari. They're, they're, they're doing the promos for 220. Oh, and, fuck. Uh, he killed them. Yeah, they, they got legit. Yeah, see, and this is him training. It looks like 50 Cent and in the club. No, he, he looks like a, mixin, a mixer of that and fucking Ivan Drago. Uh, in fucking Rocky Four, yeah. But yeah, that's him, Francis the guy, and then that's the the current champ, firefighter Stephen Miocic. He's fucking great, dude. People don't need to sleep on him, but this guy Francis Magana is legit, fucking scary. They're both scary. <laughs> yeah, they're both scary. That's true because fucking Stephen has knocked people out from the strangest angles as well. He just doesn't. I mean, I think it's the physique that that Francis Nagana has. I mean, he has muscles on muscles. He looks he looks like he was fucking chiseled by fucking. God a, renaissance, a renaissance <laughs> fucking sculpture. Oh, wow. That fucking, just that knockout of fucking Overeem, dude. It's just like the Which is great because I hate Overeem. Overeem. <laughs> I hate the Reem. He's such Damn. a shithead. Uh, Damn, that, I gotta admit, that was pretty impressive. I yeah. makes sense. And then they, they got, uh, uh, Guillaume Vellante is on that card. He's fucking, he trains out of, uh, Chris Weidman's camp, I believe. Uh, so, and then obviously the co-main event is DC and, and Oda Zero, and then let's see what they're showing the prelim. Dustin Ortiz is nice. 
Dan Ige, I just saw him fight on a different card. And that's kind of it. Um, it's already top loaded as it is, so it really oh, doesn't yeah. need, you don't really need that many you more. You can show stuff. up to that one at 8 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, you don't really need much more than the fucking two titles on one belt. Oh, yeah. Or one, on one card, so. Um, and then we haven't even talked about that same day, fucking Bellator, Bellator. is putting on probably the best card they've ever put on. Mm-hmm. So they got. Bellator secretly is becoming like the WCW to fucking um, UFC's WWF, like, like. Like slowly, like first of all, they're taking all their good talent. They got Mike Goldberg, they got Big John McCarthy now doing commentary, and UFC basically got their dude or whatever, Jimmy um, Smith Jr., which is good. He's cool. I, I but he's I no think, Mike Goldberg. I think they're both equally as good. I honestly think they're both equally good. I just prefer Mike Goldberg. Because oh, yeah. fuck, it's Mike Goldberg. That's the best. Yeah, and he's fucking. He has great calls. He makes great calls. People shit on him because he he tried to you know branch out and do the NFL and he fucked up. And there's no denying it, he made fucking bad calls when he did the NFL. And I think that, that was probably the beginning of the end for him, uh, as far as, you know, his time with the UFC, cause, you know, it, it looked bad. It looked bad for them that, uh, you know, he was fucking, fucking up and everyone was clowning on him. He was, he was getting roasted online. People yeah. were fucking destroying him, but he's a good, in the UFC, he's great. He's very knowledgeable. He's very knowledgeable. He, he, he fucking, he has good timing. He works well with Joe Rogan, who should never fucking leave the UFC. I know. <laughs> um, that's the second voice. Yeah, that's the man. That's the voice. And then, so, but Jimmy Smith Jr. is nice. Jimmy Smith is good. Uh, I like him. I'm glad they signed him because I really don't like the, who they got going on right now. Um, but then that tournament that they're putting on, the, the heavyweight tournament. So basically what the Bellator is doing is the heavyweight championship. They got, I think, what is it, eight fighters or whatever? All former UFC fighters or whatever. Except for with the exception of Fedor. Oh, yeah, Fedor and then King Mo. King Mo, yeah, it's never fun. Yeah, yeah those two, except for those, you got Shell Sonnen, you got um, Rampage on there, you got um, Roy Nelson. Matt Mitrion. Matt Mitrion. Also, um, Frank Mir, I think he's an yeah. alternate. Um, they're I mean, all doing this bracket to see who's going to, you know, and by the end of next year, they're going to have the finals for this. So it's going to be something different as opposed to like having like, all right, you're the number one contender. We're going to put you in there. Like, no, they're going to do it like fucking college basketball style. Just we're going to bracket this out, and then whoever wins, you're the heavyweight champion in the world. And it starts next weekend too. Yep, that's that's going to be the it's uh, Bellator 192 is the event. Uh, the main card is going to be Douglas Lima, current welterweight champion, versus Roy McDonald. Those who know Roy McDonald is uh, GSP's. Uh, Air apparent, air apparent, or air, air, fucking protege, everything. The guy's, uh, pretty much a robot in the sense that he doesn't do anything wrong ever. You, you hear him talk, he's a fucking robot. You see him fight, <laughs> he's good everywhere. He has no holes in his game. His fight with, uh, Robbie Lawler. Oh, that's an all-time classic. It's a fucking classic. Maybe the he, best fight of all time. He was on the verge of, of probably winning that fight by decision. Until Robbie Lawler broke his fucking nose and then just kept on punching him in it. And, yeah. and no knock on, on McDonald, but he quit. He, I mean, he, Robbie Lawler didn't knock him out. He just hit him so many times in that broken ass fucking nose that, that, you know, Roy didn't McDonald. Wonder Boy hit, didn't Wonderboy beat him too? I think Wonder, uh, let's check. I have, I have his information here in front of me, so let me pull up his fucking fight history. I do remember that. I think Wonderboy won. Wonderboy is a fucking badass. Yes, he got, Wonderboy uh, is the funniest. He is the funniest fighter of all time because he will whoop your ass and then just be like this good old Christian boy or whatever. Like, 
He's like, I just want to give praise to Jesus right now. Like, He's a good old boy. Yeah. He is a good old boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wonder Boy beat him in a decision, and then he fought, and then he, he left the UFC after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, entered into uh, Bellator and got Paul Daly. Beat Paul Daly with the rear naked choke in the second round. Paul Bailey, former UFC fighter, former title contender. Um, and then, so, but on that card, that's Rory and D- uh, Douglas Lima going for the welterweight strap, which is a great fight in itself. Douglas Lima, uh, I think this is the second, his second time being champion in Bellator. Mm-hmm. He was a champion, lost it, got it back, and now he's fighting Rory. He's probably going to lose it too. Yeah, Rory, there's no <laughs> way I see him. Rory's, a, Rory's a bad man. And then the co-main event is, uh, the first, Fight of the heavy, heavyweight Grand Prix Rampage. to be Rampage versus Chael. And I don't know if you saw the article, they made a side bet. Uh, and they, the side bet was, I think, Chael would give uh, Rampage 500 bucks for every jab that Rampage landed. <laughs> and Rampage would give Chael $1,000 for every takedown he landed. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they got a they got a big bet going on. They're, they're being real good sports about it because both of them are super competitive. So you know what, fun. though? And, like, I religiously listen to Chael Sonnen's podcast. And anytime he fights anybody, when he fought um, Tito, like, he... I mean, Tito is, like, a regular guest on his show. Like, he had to fake a feud with him. He was talking mad shit against Tito. He was talking mad shit against... Um, Vanderbe Silva, like he was just talking mad shit. He's he, he was the original shit talker before, uh, before McGregor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And on this one, it's like he's just like going to get a drink with his best friend. Mm-hmm. Like that's what makes it interesting. This fight's going to be interesting because Chael is like one of the kings of talking shit. In this fight, he has talked zero amount of shit. Yeah, so that fight's going on. Another good fight on there is Michael Chandler versus uh, Goody Amucci, if I'm saying that correctly. Michael Chandler, former champion himself, mm-hmm. so he's always a good draw. Uh, to me, the most compelling fight on the card, I mean, well, I guess not the most compelling, but the one I'm looking forward to, is Aaron Pico versus Shane uh, Kretchen. Now, if you guys aren't big UFC fans, you wouldn't know who Aaron Pico is. Aaron Pico is the definition of a prodigy. The kid was a folk-style wrestler growing up. I heard about him when he was a 7th grader or an 8th grader. God damn. He was, he, he was the future, and he still currently is the future, I believe, Aaron. So he was the Khabib of the wrestling world, you said? Because you said he was wrestling like fucking um, pros. He was, he was re- and, and I heard about him when he was an 8th grader, if I remember correctly. He beat a state champion. He beat uh, a... College state champion? Uh, 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 U.S., or uh, I think a California state champion. Oh, wow. Who was a senior. And, and Aaron Pico was an 8th grader. And he beat him at a folk style. He beat the brakes off of him. Well, that's a child beating a man. That's a child beating a man. Beat the brakes off of him. And everyone was just kind of, and all that. The, the, the guy ended up going on to, to wrestle for a big, uh, wrestling college. The guy, the kid that he beat, uh, ended up like a, like a Ohio State or Iowa. Oh, okay. Like a legit Penn State, like a legit great college. I just can't remember who it was, but that's the first I heard of him. So everyone was high on this Aaron Pico kid. Who, um, as of right now, is fucking 21 years old. Uh, uh, so this kid, uh, heard about him as an eighth grader. Everyone's talking about him. He's never lost a match. Shit like that's going around. So he gets into high school as a freshman in Arizona. He wins the Arizona state title, doesn't lose a match. As a sophomore, he wins the Arizona state title, doesn't lose a match. Forgoes his junior and senior year of high school wrestling to go train at the Olympic Center. Training as a 15, 16 year old with national champion college wrestlers. And he's beating the shit out of those guys too. So, uh, maybe Khabib should fight him. Yeah. He's a, he's a 155er. He's still growing, so he can obviously grow up. He, uh, he is, 
is wrestling. Uh, is a folk style, freestyle, and also gro- uh, Roman Greco wrestling, which involves no legs. If, if for those of you who don't know, Roman Greco is all tosses, mm-hmm. no legs, no shooting in on the legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a he defeated <laughs> there it is. He defeated a uh, Dan Hodge winner, which is the great, like the Heisman of, of uh, college wrestling. Zane Rutherford, he beat, he beat him in the final seven zero in two thousand four. Seven uh, zero is the equivalent of beating the shit out of anyone in any sport. Fucking what the Patriots did to the Titans. Oh, yeah, uh, that's, <laughs> that's the equivalent of being someone seven to zero. He is. Uh, he was on the World Cadet Championship Team USA, uh, gold medalist, um, junior world champion, uh, silver medalist. The guy was just a freaking nature. Uh, it's, apparently wrestling got born to him, so he uh, stepped up his game, and now he's fighting MMA. He also did some uh, amateur boxing when he was yeah, he's like a Golden Gloves, or something. some crazy fucking California State Champion in in, in boxing. Uh, went to the Ukraine and won gold cup in the European uh, Pancreation Championship. So the guy knows how to box. He's obviously a fucking freak of nature wrestler, and now he the US, or Bellator sent him last year, and uh, it was a big buzz for people who knew who he was. So he signs on. He's on that Madison Square Garden card they had, right? He was, I think, third third to main event. He was on the main card. Ends up losing. Biggest upset of the night, right? Did he was a decision though? He, I think it was a decision. Yeah, he ended up losing, which was like again, it was a big, big upset. Uh, he ended up losing to. Uh, let me get his record here. He lost to uh, Zach Freeman submission guillotine. I'm sorry. God damn. Yeah, he caught him in the first round. Big fucking upset, right? Fucking fought two months later, knocked the guy out, knocked him out cold, Justin Lin. So he bounced back. He just fucking, he had to do it. Uh, that was at featherweight. He knocked that guy out at featherweight. So, um, it sounds like he can both make, uh, feather and lightweight. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, he can do anything. Let's see what he's fighting at on this card. On this card, he's going to be a featherweight. So the 45 weight class, that guy is probably going to be the future of MMA. MMA. Uh, Aaron Pico, uh, Bellator is doing, doing something that I'm not, not, the UFC's not willing to do, it sounds like. Build their is, own stars. Is they're building their stars. They got, obviously, Michael Page Venom, if you know anything about him. And Michael Page Venom is a Bellator guy, and he is a bona fide superstar. Fucking that, uh, that need a cyborg. He literally almost killed cyborg. Crushed his skull. Oh, yeah, where his old end. Yeah, he crushed, he crushed, he crushed his forehead with a flying knee. Cause the guy was shooting at, shooting at the same time as he threw a flying knee. Crushed his fucking forehead, almost killed him. Guy will never fight again in it. Fuck no, I wouldn't. Either. No, he can't. The doctors won't ever let him fight. They had to reconstruct his fucking forehead. Uh, uh. That's how bad Michael. So they got Michael Page Venom, who you know obviously is a superstar. Then they what they started doing is they started signing fucking high caliber wrestlers. They signed Aaron Pico, huge sign. They signed Jordan Burroughs, who's an Olympic wrestler. They signed him and said, whenever you're ready to fight, fight. Continue pursuing your wrestling, your Olympic dream. By no means are we going to cut, cut, you know, make you, you. or just whenever you're ready to fight. So they got Jordan Burroughs, who is, I believe, a gold medalist wrestler. I think maybe even a two-time gold medalist. They got Joey Davis, who is an Olympic wrestler. Uh, and then they signed someone else. So they're signing wrestlers and they're just kind of giving them as they much. They also signed All-American from Oklahoma, former WWE champion Jack Swagger, too. Is Jack Swagger a champion? Well, he yeah, he was he was a he was a WWE champion, but yeah, he was an All American at um, Oklahoma. What's his real name? 
It's Jacob something. I know that. I Jacob Hager Jr. Yeah. They signed him. And he's actually like a, a shoot like... like Six, seven. Dear God, he's a huge fucking man. Yeah, he's a beast. He's a legit badass. So, I mean, I know he's a, a WWE guy, which you're not too big on. But he, he is no CM Punk by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. But. Well, he's already fought? No, he just got signed to Bellator. Oh, man. Uh, he's going to make... No, I just... Yeah, he signed to them in November. He's going to make his debut. I'm assuming he's going to be a heavyweight. Oh, yeah. Because he's fucking 6'7", 275. Shit by like Travis Brown. Fucking hit shit on <laughs> Travis Brown. <laughs> Travis Brown wouldn't know what to do with a wrestler of this caliber. No. So let me let me look at his wrestling group. University of Oklahoma, legit fucking wrestling program. Yep. Two-sport athlete, football and wrestling. Sophomore. All-American. Fuck, he's the real deal. I did not know Jack Swagger. I assume with a name like Jack Swagger, he was an idiot. Because um, <laughs> that's a terrible fucking name. Yeah, it is. Uh, but he's the fucking real deal. Donald Jacob Hager Jr. A little older. Yeah. 35. But he can make a splash at Bellator, especially with the kind of wrestling he has. Mm-hmm. But Bellator has wrestlers. They have wrestlers. So fucking uh, Phil Davis, all-American wrestler out of Penn State. Yes. Fucking is the, you know, the one of the premier wrestling programs in the fucking nation. So... But Bellator's, man, that's a good card. And that card's in Inglewood. I'm so fucking close to just going down there and watching it. But I, I kind of feel like I don't want to miss the, the UFC fight. Yeah, that's the fucked up thing is you got Bellator on free TV. And then you got this awesome pay-per-view fucking going But here's the thing about Bellator that really fucking sucks. And I, I fucking hope to God if I ever get to meet Scott Coker, I'll tell him this to his face. Um, <laughs> that's the Dana White of the of yeah. Bellator, by the way. Yeah, he's the, he's the, he used to run Strike Force. He was Strike Force. Then when Strike Force got about out, he kind of didn't do anything. But Joran Rabney is who started Bellator and they gave him the boot. And now Scott Coker's running Bellator. But, uh, they show the fights on the West Coast on delay. I hate that. Yeah. It fucking drives me. I mean, unless you got direct TV and then you got to watch it live. Or Cody. Or Cody. <laughs> uh. Cody, the guy that we all know. Um, <laughs> Cody, the homie. Cody, the plug. Yeah. Cody Garbrandt. I watched that Cody Garbrandt. Cody, 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 the plug. But, uh, that's the, so that's the thing about Belter is I'm obviously going to watch, if I don't go to the fight, I'm going to watch mm-hmm. UFC 220 because I cannot stand watching fights on delay. I already know the results. I'm not going to fucking sit here and pretend to Especially not, when ESPN gives you the fucking updates the or whatever. Ticker. Yeah. He'll tell you. So I'm, uh, uh, I'm gonna go somewhere that has direct TV and watch that fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's in England. This is how dumb it is. The people in California, if they want to watch it, they gotta watch in delay, even though the fight's in California. Right down, like an hour and a half away. Like if you live two blocks from fucking <laughs> the forum, you still gotta watch this bitch on delay. Uh, Mac Ten's house in Inglewood. <laughs> fucking awful. I mean, and that's the only like really bad thing I can say about Belters. They always do that. Yeah, that's the, on the West Coast. Maybe when they renegotiate their TV deals, maybe they can square. Well, no, out. the company that owns them owns the TV deal. Oh, that's right. Viacom owns them. Owns Spike. <laughs> owns them. Put that shit on MTV. Then, fuck, right? man, do some. This it, it's got to be live, and I think that's the only thing right now that's really hurting them. Is well, I mean, is just fucking delay on the West Coast, and it's just like you know. We have the largest market for a reason. LA is the largest market. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking dojo's galore. Yep, and we got fucking LA just in general. The fuck, the populace. You know what I mean? It's fucking entertainment capital of the world for a reason. Oh yeah. So they should do one at Universal City Walk. That would be sick as shit. I would love for them to do a stadium one. That would be dope to do an actual stadium one. Maybe at the Coliseum or something like that. Oh fuck, that'd be dope. The UFC has got away from doing that too. I think it's because they had a bad experience with Brazil. 
because they were doing stadium shit at Brazil. Open energy. Yeah, and, and fucking the place is a dump. All right, chill, son. Nothing, nothing against them. Fucking Brazilians are fucking great people, but it's the, it's, it's just fucking. The you saw the Olympics. Yeah, <laughs> you see dead show? bodies when they were fucking. Uh, but anyways, we're already at like almost an hour and a half. So, uh, real quick, just to end this podcast out, what are your predictions for the UFC this uh, Saturday and then Bellator as well? All right, so let's just go with the titles. I got DC over. Ostemir. Ostemir. Uh, nothing. It's the kid's just not in his league yet. I don't know if he'll ever be in his league. But Daniel Cormier is fucking be. So I, I got Cormier. That one's kind of easy. The next one's going to be tough. I'm going to go Stipe. Stipe? I'm going to go Stipe. He's, he's, um, he's experienced. Uh, he, he's capable of um, keep, keeping cool under pressure. Uh, now fight with Alistair over him. He got touched up early. And he came. He was cool. Um uh, the fight with, uh, um, and I think he's fighting with a chip on his shoulder. Too. Oh, he's got a big old chip because the his... UFC is putting all their chips again on Francis. Well, that not only that, he's considered the underdog, yeah. which is nuts for the champion, the defending champion who, who uh, only has, I think, one loss in his career himself uh, to be the underdog. And he, advantage loss. Too. Yeah, and then he, uh, yeah, so he he's cool under pressure. He knows how to handle the pressure. Uh, fucking perfect example of that is when. Um, when he won the title, Fabrizio Vizum was tagged him, was chasing him, and he just hit him with a counter punch and put him out cold with one punch. And that's how he won the title. So, Torres, also, I want to say this before we go on to the next one. Torres fucking ACL or calf or whatever when he's fighting, um, uh, uh fucking, I can't think because I'm so tired and the alpha brain's wearing off. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> where did he fight last? Um, Damn it. You should have taken that cocaine. Junior Sotan, yeah. Junior cocaine would never, yeah. Cocaine cocaine would, never lets you down. Comes from a plant. Yeah, Off Junior Sotantos. Either tore his ACL or his calf or whatever. Yeah. And just like decided, okay, I got to end this fight. And just yeah. decided to knock him out right then. And, I mean, and that, that's the kind of that's the kind of composure that you, you only get from life experience. I don't believe uh, Francis Ghana has had enough uh, challenge. I mean, if you look at his fight, none of the fights were challenging. Nothing, nothing made him really sweat. Uh, and so if he starts putting that pressure on, on Stipe Miocic, who's a proven counter striker, and he can get touched up. Um, chin? chin? I mean, no one's really tested that chin, and if anyone's gonna really test it, it's gonna be the defending champion. So that being said, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna go with Stipe Miocic just because of the experience. He's the defending champion. And he's got a wrestle game too. And he's a wrestler and he's got submission game. And you mean he's been there? He's been there, done that. Nothing against Francis Ngannou. The guy's fucking scary as shit. But you know, I, I don't think he's ever been pushed. Um, everything seems to uh, come easy to him. Uh, I mean, in the UFC, obviously not in life. And then what about Chael and uh, Rampage? Who I'm gonna does? go. I'm gonna go Chael, just because Rampage takedown defense is, is suspect at best. So I think Chael's gonna take him down, and that's just gonna be Chael's world. And there's nothing. Uh, Rampage can do about it. that. Rampage is so heavy right now that his, his cardio. I think I'm in better shape than him. Yeah, and <laughs> the guy. If you see a picture of him lately, he's huge. He's fought at two or five. He's got chichis right now. How old is he? Because Chael's like super old. They're both. They're both old. They're forty-ish. Oh, 30, 30, late, mid thirties, late forty or early forties, somewhere in that ballpark. So, yeah. um, they got gray hairs. Chael, uh, uh, Rampage just, uh, I think he actually has to cut to make heavyweights now. Yeah. Former fucking 205 champion has to cut to make, oh, what, 265. Yeah. So, you know, cardio is going to be suspect. 
Um, so I'll go with that one. I'm going to go with uh, Chael just because Chael, I mean, a wrestler is going to do what a wrestler is going to do. He's going to take you down. And if you can't stop it, then there's that's nothing. It. That's it. That's a wrap for that. Uh, I'll go with Roy McDonald because fuck oh, Doug Lissima, no, no disrespect, but he, you know, he's no he's no Rory. So I'll go with Rory. What's your boy Pico? Oh, Pico. Pico. Uh, <laughs> Pico probably the first round finish. Pico's the guy you're hyping up to oh, yeah. the next. Twenty-one-year-old fucking phenom. All right. What about you, Art? What are your picks? Uh, I don't have picks because I always hate picks. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. All right. DC win. That's the only one that I for sure feel good about. I like that guy you guys were selling me though. I'm not. Firefighter seems all right. Stipe sounds all right, but yeah, the other dude looks like a fucking beast. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, this is scary. I'm glad I'm not going to be in that position. I, I want them to fight polio. That's why I want them. What <laughs> you guys think? We'll, we'll <laughs> what we should do is not have them fight each other. Just go fucking go have them fight ISIS. They should. Yeah, I'll <laughs> see them all get injected with like different diseases and see who survives. Fucking just have but, them, just have them, oh nice <laughs> fight kick with a choice. But yeah, uh, I just want them to go fight ISIS. We get Stipe. We just get everyone on the main card. Stipe, DC. Can you imagine Connor out there on the battlefield talking shit talking to ISIS? Talking so much shit with the fucking Gatling gun on his shoulder. Can you imagine? No, like, <laughs> Connor injected with AIDS. <laughs> He's just like, <gasps> AIDS, you do, you do nothing, AIDS. That, that's a fight I want to see. Connor versus <laughs> AIDS. Oh, wow. Well, with that said, everybody, looks like this show is wrapping up. So. Hope you enjoyed your motherfucking selves, and I hope our fucking picks are right. So. <laughs> if they are, uh, Jacob told me to say them. If yeah. I get them wrong, Jacob told me to say those. In my yearbook. I put this down in my yearbook. <laughs> what was the thing from the yearbook? Oh, cool. Oh, it's better than practice. What was it? Oh, he said Ja Rule. Oh, Ja Rule. Ja Rule's the best yeah. rapper alive. So that said, enjoy this Ja Rule song I'm about to put at the end of the podcast. <laughs> like and subscribe to our show, and please share it with all your friends and family. Good night. Good night. Good night.